fantastic with firearms and sometimes their husbands or friends or fathers or brothers don't like that too much. Women who learn about guns will purchase their own. And not only do they purchase their own firearm, they get all the gear too. And we like that, it's fun. We talk about it and we share with one another what we like. With that, we'll encourage other women to shoot. Women are experts at getting women to do things with them. Why do you think we go to the bathroom in pairs, in groups? We are experts at this. And it's not unusual for a woman who is well-armed to suddenly have a well-armed mom, a well-armed sister, a well-armed daughter, and a crew of well-armed friends. The enthusiasm spreads. We share, yeah. Absolutely. There are ads. USCCA even put an ad in there the very first year we launched our magazine, and it had like a, a thing that went up on the mirror that put them into the magazine cover. So women will also make a difference in this industry. If you don't think there's power in the female going to a legislator's office, you've missed out. You've missed out. DC Project, Cheryl was with me. We had proof. Every time I have asked a Republican from Alabama to sit down and listen to me talk about guns, they have not shown up. They've sent their aides until good old Mr. Jones, Senator of Alabama, he came and listened. He didn't agree, and he told us very, very bluntly, but he listened to us for probably more than 40, 45 minutes. Finally, last one, reason why USCCA got involved with women and trying to reach out is because women are still that large untapped industry, that large untapped market. And with that, I just want you all to remember, we all start at the beginning. If you really want to reach women, remember that the majority of them that are still out there don't know anything yet. Don't forget the stepping stones. Those are probably the most important things that we can do as an industry is give them the stepping stones they need to digest all the other awesome stuff you guys have to offer. Because I can guarantee you, a woman is not gonna go pick up a copy of Concealed Carry Magazine until she sees someone in there that looks just like her, and tells her that anyone can do it. Now see why we want Beth representing women and shooting. She's amazing. Next, I'd like to introduce you to Ms. Shelley Hill, the indispensable organizational wizard. That is her title in their organization, The Complete Combatant. Shelly Hill, here you go. I'd like to follow you. Jeez, oh, peace. Um, there's a handout, guys, um, that's going to be in your folder. Um, got it? We don't need it quite yet, but... Welcome. Uh, this is called What's in Your Toolbox, and I'm Shelly Hill, and my husband dubbed me the indispensable organizational wizard about 15 years ago, and guys, it's stuck, so that's some big, big shoes to fill. We own the Complete Combatant and Fusion Fitness and Mixed Martial Arts out of Metro Atlanta. We also host the Mingle in May of each year, and the Mingle is a weekend that is dedicated to continuing education uh, through firearms training, um, seminars, 
and this is for ladies in the firearms and self-defense industry. <laughs> we got this. I'm also a co-founder of a nonprofit organization called Rachel's Rest, and Rachel's Rest is um, a retreat and counseling system for women and children that have experienced sexual abuse or acts of violence. Uh, I'm in charge of the marketing, admin, fundraising, um, websites for all three of these. I'm very happy to be here today to speak on a subject that I know fairly well, which is self-promotion. I had some thought on what I wanted to talk about, and it came pretty quickly to me. One of the things I get the most um, from friends is, how do you know so many people? How do you even make these contacts? And sometimes it's personality driven. You can have type A, type B, introvert, extrovert, but I actually follow kind of a system. Um, I'm self-taught, so this presentation comes from in the field testing. So I put a lot of thought into what I call tools. Get it? What's in your toolbox? Yeah, kind of bringing it together. Um, that I personally find very important when it comes to meeting new people and making new professional contacts. One is educate. The other one is confidence. The other one is positive energy. And the last one is bravery. Those are the four things we're going to talk about pretty briefly today. So if you look on that front page of your handout, you're going to see our logo. And the logo is the Complete Combatants logo. And there's a, a catchphrase that goes with that. It's the old cliche. The logo is, you are the weapon. And the cliche that goes with it is, you are the weapon, and everything else is just a tool. So this applies to this presentation, pretty much life. <laughs> so that's where I'm going to tie up once again all this together. A weapon. A weapon is something that is used to defend or defeat another. Guys, it also means anything that serves to outwit or get the better of an opponent. That's you. You're the weapon. Tool. A tool is a handheld device that aids in accomplishing a task. Well, it also means something regarded as necessary. So remember that, something regarded as necessary to carry out or accomplish one's goal or profession. Basically, it's what you guys possess. Toolbox, well, we all got that. It's where tools are kept. It can also be your brain. So let's put that together. Think about it. You are the weapon, and everything else is just a tool in your toolbox. You can add to this toolbox as you see fit. You can take stuff out of your toolbox because it's your toolbox. So on that page, you're also going to see the Complete Combatants mascot. We have two. One is Joe and one is Jane. This is Joe. And Joe is our average, everyday, the complete combat 
ant. Do you get it? The complete combatant. Huh? Huh? Okay. It amuses me still. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's take a look at Joe. So if Joe is the weapon and everything else is just a tool that helps Joe succeed in his self-defense goals, what are Joe's tools? We actually designed Joe and Jane with seven tools in mind. Okay. So I'm going to remind you what a tool means some of these are pretty obvious, right? A tool is a handheld device that aids in accomplishing a task. Well, that could be a keyboard, right? That could be a pew-pew, it could be a stabby-stabby, it could be a gun, that's a tool, right? But it's also something regarded as necessary to carry out or accomplish a goal or your occupation. So let's name off a, a few. Go ahead. Throw something out there, guys. <laughs> what does the, the, that's it? So we're gonna look at edged weapon is on there. Give me another one. What else do you see? Flashlight, that's on there. What else you see on there for that Joe's Joe's got in his possession? Oh. Got it. Phone, call 911. Help me. What else you got? Flashlight got that. What's the main thing that we're here for? Okay. <laughs> got it got it no one said firearm yet check that one out right look at his waist what's he got around his waist what tool does he possess that's around his waist there you go so we have a belt so we're looking at martial arts he's thinking of open hand skills that's another tool that he's added to his toolbox the other one now we're getting down to the two we kind of touched base on it just a second ago but we're getting on two now that is a little bit more difficult all the other stuff is kind of a tool that we can see but there's tools that he possesses that we can't see okay so one of them though i'm going to throw out there is physically fit he's in he's in good shape he can run away if he needs to that's a tool that he's he's chosen and the next one is actually mindset you guys touch base on that we're going to go back to that um, what we're going to do now is just move to the next section for just a second because we're going to get back to that seventh tool in a little bit more detail. So being in the field that you guys are in, we'll say media field because that's what, what Amcon's about today, you guys possess extraordinary tools, talents that a lot of other people do not. So take inventory. Think about that this weekend. What do you have? What do you possess? What tool do you have? that makes you pretty special or good at what you do. So think about that. Um, name one, uh, Miss Cheryl, do you have a tool that you possess that you think makes you good at what you do? What, what do you have? Well, give me one. Gift of gap. That's a tool, guys. We know that, right? There's people in here that can't do that. Amanda, do you have a tool? Polka dots. That's a tool. You're using that. That's member. That's making yourself memorable. It is. It's a, it's it's a form of marketing, and it's it belongs to you. It's yours. That's fantastic. What you got? <laughs> That is absolutely true. 
That's absolutely true. Absolutely. So what we just kind of touched base on is once again, a tool is not necessarily something that's handmade. It's something that you have. Okay. So another tool that I'm thinking probably a lot of you possess is going to be the ability to articulate your thoughts and others, right? It's a communication skill. Those, these are all tools that, that need to be in, I guess, I think y'all's toolbox in order to make contacts. So grab that that handout again, go back to Joe, and we're gonna talk about mindset, okay? So Joe has good posture, his head is up, his eyes are open, he's aware of what's going on around him. We can call awareness a tool. Joe's made decisions ahead of time to educate himself on the self-defense skills that he wants to possess. Education is a tool. Joe shows confidence. He knows that he's going to be brave if there's ever comes a time that he needs to use these self-defense skills to help himself or others. Confidence and bravery are tools as well. So flip to the second page there. This guide that you're going to see, I use. I've been using it for years. I've tweaked it just a little bit, but there's actually going to be people in this audience right now that are going to be shaking their head going, yep, that's how I met her. To maximize your efforts with this little guide here, I want you guys to know you can use it online as well. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about in person. We'll focus on that today. But once again, tweak it as you see fit, but please don't lose sight um, of an online way to make uh, new contacts. I'm going to give two samples or examples right now on how I met two people in this room uh, using this exact same guide. Um, first one, about two and a half years ago, I was researching good, strong, reputable podcasts that would be a good fit for the complete combatant, Brian and myself. The Polite Society podcast popped up several times in my finding. So I thought, hey, let's check this out. So I reached out to Paul and I introduced myself. We talked about Brian. We talked about the complete combatant. He liked what he heard. So he had Brian on his show. Um, from this point on, Brian has been on his show many times, and I have. Uh, even Susan, his bride, has been to Georgia. She has stayed at my house for four days. And she has attended the Mingle, and they're also sponsors. So personally and professionally, we ended up being a pretty good fit. The other one example of online is about two years ago, uh, Miss Cheryl threw out a question on Facebook. She was working on an article on, and she wanted an expert's opinion on what she was working on. Um, of course, I listened to Gun Freedom Radio. I knew who she was, but we'd never met, right? It was just kind of saw the question. I thought, wow, this is 100% in Brian's wheelhouse. So I reached out to her. Her and Brian talked, and she's ended up using him in that article. Now, from this point, we're talking two years now. Brian's been on her show, and I've been on her show. She's also uh, a Mingle sponsor, and uh, and we're friends. So. We were able to personally and professionally connect, but that doesn't always happen, guys. That's just, we got lucky, but that does happen. I feel like I'm here speaking today 
because of the four tools that I was telling you guys about. One, I'm a pretty positive person. Two, I educated myself on who was like-minded. Three, I had the confidence that Brian would be a good fit. And four, I had enough uh, bravery to ask. So let's go over these four tools pretty quickly here. One, positive energy. Energy can inspire, it can uplift, and it can energize the people with whom you come into contact. Energy is mighty enough to form success, but it's also mighty enough to insist, excuse me, assist in your failure. You contribute energy to everything you do, good or bad. So anything that you associate yourself, and it could be social media, it could be the workplace, it could be friends or family, that energy you put in is going to come right back to you. How you contribute to your professional goals is as important as what you contribute. So make it a goal to represent yourself, uh, your, 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 your business, um, with a good attitude because energy is like a boomerang. It's just going to come right back to you. So positive energy. Educate. You need to educate yourself on who your true target market is, not who you think it is, who, you, who it really is. You need to think about who is like-minded, who you respect, and who may have similar goals as you. Make a list. Research who will be in attendance at an event, just like this one, and see if someone that you wanted to meet is on that list. Prepare generic questions and talking points. Have a plan. Next one is be confident. You need to be confident that working together will be beneficial to you both. So think about how you can help the people on your list spread their knowledge or product through your resources. You don't want to waste each other's time. They need you. You guys are the media. You guys rock, right? So we need you. We, we have information that we want out. You have that. You want to get that information to your listeners or followers. So pretty much be confident in what you have to offer. Remember that from last night's dinner, <laughs> Robin? <laughs> last one here is be brave. You have everything in place. You've educated yourself and you're feeling pretty positive and confident. Now you need to shed that uncomfortable feeling and you need to be brave. Walk right up to them this weekend and smile. You would not believe how much that is forgotten. That's be professional. Have those prepared generic, uh, excuse me, those prepared generic questions and talking points at the ready. Tell them that you think they'd be a good fit because you've already researched them. Once again, invoke that plan. I still believe in business cards. So as you're talking to them, instead of just grabbing your phone and start poking in the contact information, hand over your card. If you think they're awesome, and this is something that's heartfelt, take a photo. Um, I was talking to Cheryl about this the other day. Photos are a way of complimenting the person that you're with. It's like a modern day autograph. I love that. And I stole it. Thank you. Uh, it tells the person that you're with that they're important to you. And guys, that's that's what you're here for is the, the positive stuff. So the next thing you're going to see is the tickler file and the follow-up. I'm not going to bore you with any of that, but please know that I use it every single day. There's a yellow folder that's sitting right there. And I've already put down some information from a dinner that we had last night that I, I, I want to remember. So that's already in there in that tickler file. So feel free to use that. Um, 
you must do the work. You must do the work. It takes a good amount of time and energy to build strong relationships. I really believe that if you were to add positive energy, education, confidence, and bravery to your, your toolbox, that it will not only open up some doors with new contacts, but it also help you keep them. So I would love it if you guys educated yourself on who the complete combatant is, see if they'd be a good fit. If so, come up, talk to me, exchange contact information. That'd be very cool. And then make sure you put me in your tickler file. Okay, got it. Um, that's pretty much it. I want to thank everybody for, for allowing me to be here today. And if you guys have any questions or anything on meeting people or self-promotion, I know little bits and pieces about that. So thank you for having me. Hey, that was Shelly Hill. So next, next we have, I have to say this segment, when we were starting to plan out the Ampon and all of the different things that we wanted to do, this was the person that came to mind as we were saying, what segments do, do each one of us want to have? And I had, I had the working title for this section called you because you did come on out and he's the person he was like okay anybody know this person does anybody can somebody help me with this can somebody help me with that and he has been so extremely successful with it and it is definitely something that I want to emulate so not only is Yehuda the, the pew pew Jew as <laughs> we go but he's also he he has written books for children about firearms and firearm safety and i just think that that is that is absolutely the best so bringing you yehuda rima so this is the first time i'm actually giving a presentation not just speaking publicly so bear with me if i just go bullet point by bullet point because i still have no idea what i'm doing um yet I'm here. Thank you. Uh, so everyone has a different approach to self-promotion um, to get their name out there. And what I'm about to tell you has worked for me and it continues to work for me. So, you know, you can take it or leave it how you will, but this is what's been working for me to get my name within the last year and a half of being in the firearms industry to where I am today. So the first thing I set out to do was I, you had to set goals for yourself. What did I want out of the industry? Where did I want to go? Truth of the matter is when I first started off writing my books, I just wanted to get into the gun industry. I love firearms. I love the Second Amendment. And my books were a stepping stone to get into the world. Obviously, that's now happened and life leads you in different ways. Um, so my goals at the beginning were a, to promote my book, my books on gun safety. Um, I thought it was very important. I have three of my own children and I felt a need to educate my children and not allow that to the media. So getting a book on gun safety was a way to get me into, in, in, into the industry. Um, another thing was now, um, I don't remember who it was that gave me the moniker, the Pew Pew Jew, but whoever it was, thank you. And I just launched a website called the Pew Pew Jew, selling tons of really fun 
pro-gun biblical t-shirts and mugs and stuff like that. And that was a goal that I what didn't know was there, but just came about and I took the opportunity to run with it. Um, and the last thing that helped me promote uh, myself in the industry was I'm an Orthodox Jew. What the hell am I doing in the gun industry? I mean, let's be honest. How many Orthodox Jews do you see walking around with a shirt that says gun control is not kosher? And, and without, yeah, thank you, thank you, with just a pig on it. I mean, not many. And Jews have a bad rap of being anti-gun, which in a lot of cases is true. And I wanted to change that. I wanted to be a vocal, uh, a voice for the pro-gun Jews who get drowned out because of, you know, the, some of the left-leaning liberal Jews who like to take our guns away. But in order to do all that, there, I, I came up with a, well, I didn't really come up with it, I kind of just fell into place, a formula of things that I would do to help promote myself. The first thing is, you can't be afraid to speak your mind. Um, we live we, In today's day and age, it's a cutthroat industry, and you can't be afraid to speak your mind, but at the same time, speaking your mind, and uh, I'm gonna quote someone who is a dear friend who probably had the greatest line of last year's AmCon. When you're, when you're speaking your mind, don't be a dick. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. No, really, it's, you can speak your mind and still be, and still be civil in a conversation. So that's the thing is I will speak my mind. I will, you know, I'm not going to shy away from a, a, a debate or something that I believe in, but I'm not going to do it and being a total jerk. Um, another thing is you have to have a sense of humor. In today's day and age, if you can't roll with the punches, then you're just not going to make it. And, and I'm going to give you two quick examples. Everyone here I'm familiar with Rob, is familiar with Rob Pinkus. Rob Pincus has been an absolute amazing mentor of mine, and, and I'm forever grateful. And at, um, it was SHOP Show or the NRA Show. I don't Here was Rob Pincus's little girl, Baby Pincus, sitting on the floor reading my book. Not her dad's book. Her dad's book was right there. And Rob comes up to me and goes, take a picture of that and start trash-talking me on, on – uh, on social media, I'm like, okay. I'm like, Rob Pincus is telling me to start a verbal war with him. But he did it because he was helping me promote myself in a very fun way. And he was great about that. So that's one area of having a good sense of humor, just rolling with the punches. Another thing is there was a great podcast that I've been on a couple times, not no one here today, where one of the one of the co-hosts um, was a Muslim, and he, army veteran, a medic, I think he was a ranger, um, great guy. No, no cultural issues at all, but we always trash-talked as a Muslim and a Jew. So one time I went on his show, and I was wearing an Israeli Defense Force t-shirt, because he was originally from Egypt. And for no other reason than to troll him, and it was awesome. I, I mean, he loved it. You have to have fun with it. You have to have fun with the industry that you're in and, you know, just roll with the punches. Um, 
Okay, next thing I want to touch on, and I'm gonna read you, it's a pretty long quote, but I think it's very worthwhile. And I'll tell you who, who said it afterwards. Here it is. Now I've actually always found something to be very true, which most people don't get those experiences because they never ask. I've never found anybody who didn't want to help me when I've asked them for help. I've never found anyone who said no or hung up the phone when I called, I just asked. And when people ask me, I try to be as responsive to pay the debt of gratitude back. Most people never pick up the phone and call. Most people never ask. And that's what separates sometimes the people that do things from the people that just dream about them. You've got to act. Now, I told you this person was a revolutionary in the media, the electronics world. That was from Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs... Why did Steve Jobs need to be asking for help? Because he saw the, the, the power of it. Um, just to give you a couple examples, um, Cheryl Todd, who has I call my Second Amendment mom, uh, she now goes, was it once a week? You go on Drew's show? On, on Drew Berkowitz's show on uh, Conservative Review TV. I've watched it plenty of times, and I thought, hey, Drew might seem like a guy who would like my books. So I turned to Cheryl, and I'm like, hey, can you help me get me on the show? Within 24 hours, I was booked on conservative review TV. Now, I could have sent my books into them. I could have messaged them, emailed them. Never would have happened. But you need to ask for help, and there's no shame in asking for help. If you want to accomplish something. Um, another uh, example would be, and I saw her just come in, um, my friend Amy Dillon. Amy and I met last year at the GRPC, and she introduced me to her buddy, the owner of Tactical Baby Gear. And if you're not familiar with their products, they're awesome. Check them out. But Amy introduced me to him because I asked her to. And this past Father's Day, the owner of Tactical Baby Gear called me up and said, hey, we want to use your books as, uh, as part of our giveaway. And I went from about 100 followers on my Facebook page to over 1,500 in a matter of, I think it was about three hours. <clears throat> it's just a matter of reaching out to people and asking for help. And like, like Steve Jobs said, most people are receptive to helping you. You just got to ask. Um, something else I started doing is I do something called Follow Fridays. It's big on Twitter. I don't see anyone doing it on Instagram. Um, Follow Fridays is if there is a company that I like or products I like, I will give them a special shout out on Fridays, and I don't get paid for it. I don't. It's. I mean, it's an endorsement on my part. Not that you know that really means it so much yet, but. I will give people, the my followers, the ability to go check out new people and products that I think. And the reason why this is important is because the more you help other people, they will continue helping you out. So, you know, they, they're more receptive to helping you, they're more receptive to sharing things with you, sharing your stuff on their page. And I've even been asked to um, endorse some stuff, which I didn't end up doing because it was a pretty shady, business, but um, I was asked to endorse some stuff, uh, uh, some kind of magazine bolster, but I didn't end up doing it. But, 
by engaging in other people's posts or showing them that, hey, you, we care, you know, they will be um, reciprocals after word, right word. Um, thank you. I'm tired and I'm coming off a 25 hour fast. Um, in most cases, self-promotion is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You do have your lucky people who will come out with something and, you know, it'll blow up and within 24 hours, there are big news everywhere. It's not the case. I worked a year, uh, over, over about a year, a year and two months almost, um, working on Chris and Dana Lash. And they, I sent them my books, I signed them. I've still not been on Dana's show, but Dana Lash has been a very big inspiration when I started getting into writing Second Amendment um, books. This past NRA show, I got a chance to actually take a five-minute walk with Dana, just me and her across the floor, and I was able to thank her for being an inspiration. Now, her husband set that up because I was working on it, and it took, like I said, it took a year, a year over a year to actually get to meet Dana and have a one-on-one -on -one with her. Um, another thing is Cam Edwards, which we're all familiar with. Cam Edwards, I approached him at the NRI show. I said, here are my books. And within minutes, he's like, you're going on TV. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I, I don't know what TV is. Like, I was terrified because this was my first, NRA TV was my first uh, visual appearance, not you know, behind, uh, just behind a microphone. Um, I've kept in touch with uh, with Cam. He's been phenomenal. And in the last year and a half, I've been on his show seven times uh, with different topics about things I've written. It's just, like I said, it's a marathon. You've got to keep it up. Um, all right, let's see. Next one. <sighs> Going old school um, and just knowing everyone in the industry. I mean, I'm an author. I write kids' books. But I still find it important to know so many people in the industry. So walking out to people and reaching out to people is so key. And I'll give you an example, um, or a couple of examples. Alan Gottlieb, for example, uh, Alan Gottlieb. I sent them copies of my book, trying to get an endorsement for months. Didn't hear anything back from him. I went to the USCCA Expo when it was in Dallas, and there was Alan, and I walked up to him, and I said, hi, I'm a dreamer, and I want you to endorse my book. He goes, I know your book, I saw your book, I want to endorse your book, I don't have time to do it, send me an email. Great, I sent him an email, two weeks later, I had Alan's endorsement. But not only that, eight months later, I approached him, I said, would you, would the Second Amendment Foundation sponsor my next book? Said, Let me see it. I gave it to Andrew and Alan, and before I knew it, I had a check in my hand from the Second Amendment Foundation, and they sponsored my ABCs of Guns book. Like I said, it's knocking on people's door and just walking up to them and asking them. Um, Jesse Duff, Jesse Harrison Duff, uh, I think she's the only or one of the only, I know she's the first um, Grandmaster female pistol champion shooter. I'm probably saying that wrong and butchering it, but um, I walked up to her. I gave her a copy of my book, Safety On. A year later, I walked up to her again at a different uh, gun show. She remembered me, 
And then she said, have I written anything else? I told her yes. And then she asked me for a signed copy of my book. And I was more than happy to give it to her. She's a big name in the industry, has nothing to do with advocacy, but she's a huge name in the industry. And just a matter of meeting everyone in the industry, not just people just in your field. Um, but at the same time, not all of my endeavors have been successful. Uh, I reached out to some people um, and you don't hear back from them. Whether they're busy, whether they just don't care, who knows? I mean, I'm gonna go with that they're just busy. Um, you know, for example, uh, if anyone here is familiar with Carissa Littlejohn, anyone? No. Carissa Littlejohn is a U.S. Army veteran, uh, sorry, a U.S. Air Force veteran. She's one of these gun models, and she has a huge following. And we should promote it all over her Instagram, but she's pregnant now. So I'm trying to get in touch with her. Say, hey, I want to send you a baby present. I want to send you a signed copy of my book. Haven't heard back. Don't expect to hear back, but you move on. You know, if anyone knows, I, I will all ask. If anyone knows her, if they can make a connection, great. If not, not. But, you know, not everything you do will be successful, and you can't sit on that failure. You've got to just keep on um, moving forward. Okay. Um, Charlie, I asked your permission to talk about our conversation. So Charlie messaged me a few, a few months ago, and he said to me, how do you get endorsements? How, how do you get sponsors? How do you get people to listen to you? So I said, well, what are you trying to do? He's like, well, I'm trying to get sponsors for Riding Shaka with Charlie. So I said, like who? Like Black Rifle Coffee Company, you know, EDC Coffee? He's like, yeah, I would love that. And I'm like, well, did you ask them? And and he's like, and Charlie's like, no, Black Rifle is huge. I can't ask them. I'm like, why not? And no, we had a great conversation. And I don't know if you ended up reaching out to them, but it was a great conversation about opportunity. A hundred percent of opportunities not taken are a hundred percent opportunities missed. So, uh, case in point. If anyone here runs their own business and is successful, I need $3,500 for my next book. Answer it, let's talk. Now, and that's actually an, a, a real thing. I actually need $3,500 for my next book. I wasn't saying that because I don't need it. Like, my next book is done being written. I just don't have the money to get it illustrated. Um, if anybody wants, you know, if I, if I didn't ask, if there was a millionaire sitting in the in the audience here and I didn't know, well, you know, now someone might approach me and say, hey, we'll do it. So that, that's very important. Um, okay, so I only have a couple more minutes, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on one last thing. I'm friends with a lot of people here on Instagram, and I see your posts. You guys got to use hashtags. You can you can you can use up to I believe thirty hashtags. But if someone is promoting whether it's apparel in the industry, whether it's your your podcast, your show, whatever it is, you know you'll 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 do hashtag radio and that's it. Well, no one in the gun industry is going to be looking at hashtag radio. You got you know hashtag gun hashtag Second Amendment. 
you use all 30 hashtags. I mean, all of my all of my uh, t-shirts and everything, my, my name on Instagram is a pew pew Jew. I hashtag the star of David. I hashtag Israel. I anything dealing with that, but I also hashtag tons of things within the firearms industry. So if you have up to 30 hashtags, use them. Whether you have it in a little folder, you can just copy all of them and paste them in, or you want to do it manually every time, use the hashtags. It's the best way to get your name out there. So that's how I've been getting around, uh, moving my way up in this business. Um, the last thing that I've been doing, it's been great. Um, everyone should have a little red ticket in front of them. Um, if you don't find a seat that, yeah, find a seat that no one is sitting in and steal theirs. Um, giveaways. Giveaways are huge. Whether it's a, a patch, whether it's a mug, someone's going to win a pew pew ju mug. Whether it's what, what a t-shirt, whatever it is, it will bring people back to your page. It'll keep people there. People will friend you. They will be there and they will always stay there because... People, I mean, well, yeah, coming from the Jew, people like free things. Um, so, yeah, you just, you know, you just, uh, <laughs> you know. So I'm going to just literally, here. The winner is 198-146. Anyone? It's the empty seats. Somebody run over and grab it. 186? 186. 196. All right, 166. 166. But once going So, so there, Nikki. Nikki's got something for nothing. I think is the term. <laughs> so, I, I want you guys to take this this one thing away from as Yehuda was making his conversation, and this is the one that I wrote down because as everybody speaks, I write down something. And he was like, you know, they're asking me to endorse this. Not that it means that much yet. Did anybody pick that out? I mean, and that is the power of positive thinking. So he's going places, and I, I want to be his friend. <laughs> That's how that is. Now, Yehuda, in, in your packet of stuff is this little sticker. I expect you to write it down. I need $3,500 to illustrate my next book and stick it on your shirt. This is the thing. Before we go to break, think about the things, the power of positive thinking, the power of with a little help from your friends. What do you need? Write it down, and let's 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 put these into operation. Anybody who missed that part of it, that was that there's a there's a sheet there that just sort of set, starts with, with a little help from our friends. And really it's the case of as as you said, you don't you will it will never happen if you don't ask. And so the issue is write down what you want to get, who you want to meet, how you what what it is you'd like to carry away from here that you would be like, it is an absolute rock star event. 
if this happened this weekend, write it down and use it as, hello, my name tag is, I need $3,500 to illustrate my book. That's what that is. Cheryl, Shelly, you want to come up? We're getting ready to head off to break. We've got we've got a hard time a time to come back. I got to look at the schedule to see what time we have to be back in here. Um, does, do you have the schedule? Wait. I, excuse me a minute. I'm gonna walk away from my. Kid. So we should be coming back from a break at 10:45. And Charlie Cook is going to be the speaker when we come back, so don't be late, because we're going to start without you, however that goes. Okay, and now we want to head off to break with one thing. Charlie, Charlie's in the lead. You got the mic. She says we're going to do something wild, crazy, fun. I don't Charlie, there's no tequila, so we're, we're talking about too bad. Oh, I saw your <laughs> I love it. Come on out there. We're going to close uh, this part um, uh, with the wave. Thank you. We're coming back at 10:55. We we are going to no no. It's the real wave. Yep. I know. It's not even. <laughs> it's not even great time. That's exactly it. Well, what we're looking for is you're going to shed that uncomfortable, icky feeling. And you're going to be brave and you're going to stand up and do it as a group, right? So I want to tell you what the wave actually symbolizes. The wave symbolizes a show of appreciation. And we all, of course, appreciate you all coming. We appreciate Ancon and for inviting us all. And, of course, you guys, but we're missing two. Um, so we appreciate that. The rave also rave. The wave also represents unity. We're united. We stand together to support the Second Amendment, what we're all here for this weekend. And the wave also represents amusement, and it amuses the heck out of me. So we're going to close that before break. So we're going to do it right, though. We're going to start from left. We'll do it in sections. We'll move to right. Let's do it twice. And we're actually going to do it correct. I want you guys to stand up. I want your hands in the air, and you're going to woo. I want it. We're going to woo. We're wooing. Are we ready to woo? Oh, God, we have you. Our fearless leaders, thank you so much. All right, we're going to start left quarter. We're going to move around, and it's going to come back to us, and we're going to do it twice. Are we ready? Are we ready? All right, here we go. I'm going to start it. We're going to start it right now. Woo! Go back down. That's one of the main reasons I came. Thank you so much for allowing me to do this. As we're getting ready to break for lunch, which is our next break, I want to take a picture of everybody. This is our second annual, and we have grown so much from last year's picture. Last year, we all fit in a selfie. This year, we need an actual group picture. So just uh, stick around. Be sure that you're in the room right before we go to lunch. And I'm just going to bring everybody up here. I think that would be the easiest thing, and we'll find somebody to take a photo uh, from the back. Break is over at 10:55. Okay, see y'all back here.
Hey, just heads up for your speakers. Uh, check out the live videos if there's some questions after you speak back to
But set my mind at ease that it's just a sick death, or is it other shit too? And I mean, there's, there's other stuff that happens in life. Everybody has a limit. Yes, I read my limit. Particularly from people 
the Marines are the Marines are all about you don't have limits on all bullshit, sweetheart. You know, but I mean, but I also don't want to. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like. But you told me exactly what. But I mean, shit happens. But I'm okay. That's there. The world's shortest story, right? Yeah. But yeah. Shit happens. Cool. Great. And you know what? I don't think you asked me to vote in your right. Put your hand up. But it's but you know what? It's because <laughs> but you know it's because I, I think right around the time that I joined the show. And I was like, yeah, I really before I get to ask I have to pass it no, I'm not arguing, but <laughs> and I, I understand the sentiment. I don't know how that relates to my question. It, you felt it did somehow. All right, do okay. Good. I'll, I'll happily live on that. I'm sailing there. No grass, no no, I don't have like, a Yeah, well, actually, I live in uh, Gold, so no burn. Gold for it. Right over the yeah, Amy. Yep, it's like right there. Yeah, I'm not, 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 I'm not,
I went to go see if my parking would get validated. It's like fucking 28 bucks to park there. And they don't know. Are you going to come down here, Ozzy? Yes, Especially what's going on here in this building right now with the medical thing. Yes, I've got some. I was talking to Scott. It looks like an interesting machine in there. <laughs> yeah. 
what are you here? I'm not at the meeting. Like, what are you here for? So, you know, that was comprehensive. I mean, just shut up. It's one of those crazy people. <laughs> That's Dr. Dean, the guy who does doctors. I'm 
Once you go and do Yeah, 
This is a real life application. I was going to ask you to do what you do. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's
Okay, everybody. Sit down. Good, everybody. The wave is over. Everybody down. Down. Still connected. Okay, so we are. Our real conversation right now is I had given you a teaser saying that Charlie Cook was up next. I lied. Good. Matt Shinsing is going, going to come up. He's part of the YouTube panel because he, he's just been called out. He's so important that he's been called out on a call. And so he's got to go. He's leaving us. So we need to hear his message before he goes. So Matt, can you come up and... Yeah, sorry about that. Trucking is a weird business. I guess government has us all on GPS trackers now. Yay! <laughs> but seriously, I'm here to talk about YouTube. And you might have heard my channel, you might not. We're known as LFD Research, but we honestly, we're not the happy fun go guys. We are the, hey, let's look at this technical, let's understand what's actually happening on this. Now, that is not the kind of thing that you're going to find huge success with on YouTube. You will find success. That is highly possible. But it's not what everybody goes for. They want to see stuff blow up. They want to see crazy and stupid stuff done. I mean, can you do some of that from a technical angle? Yes. But if you're going to go on YouTube, what are your expectations? I suggest you don't expect to make a lot of money because you're not going to. YouTube recently changed their monetization requirements. You want to start a new channel and get monetization so you get a little bit of ad money back from YouTube. You have to have 4,000 hours viewed on your channel in the last year. And you have to have at least 1,000 subscribers on your channel. Otherwise, you don't even get to apply for it. Once you apply, they're going to take their sweet time to go and say, well, we like the channel, we don't. And they're going to review every single video on your channel. And when they're done with that, even if everything was kosher and they're like, oh yeah, this is fine, you can monetize it. Don't be surprised if they come back and go, oh yeah, that doesn't mean community guidelines. You go, you view the community guidelines, and they're very vague. And you may go, well, I'm looking at this, there's no vulgar content, there's no violence, there's no nothing. Hmm. I'm demonetized. Unfortunately, that's what you're going to deal with. And until you get big enough that you have a dedicated YouTube rep to speak with you and handle issues for your channel, that's just what you're going to have to deal with. You're going to go, oh, yay, I maybe made 50 cents on this video or $30. And now it's demonetized. Well, that's where you're at. That's the current case with YouTube. But it, you might think, hey, I'm going to get a viral hit. I'm not on doing that. How do you get the word out? We have found great success with actually working with bloggers because we tackle the hard questions and it gets very expensive. I can promise you this much. We are nowhere close to ever getting YouTube money back near enough ever to cover our costs in making the channel and what we do with it. That's just the case. But we do it because we absolutely love the technical aspect. It is the best part for us. And that is where you need to get your fulfillment on this, not 
hey, my, my video's gone viral, everyone loves it. You're gonna have tons of terrible comments. You're gonna have people bashing you left and right. That's just the case on YouTube. But get your message out there. Don't take this as a discouragement to do it because you can find success, but it's gonna take a long time and a lot of work. And honestly, if you can get in contact with some big bloggers and answer questions that they have interest in, that will help you a lot. Because not only are you dependent on Google's algorithms, you have secondary methods where people are visiting to send them to your channel and find your video. And then that in turn can help spark a YouTube algorithm going, wow, we got a lot of likes on this video, a lot of comments on this video. We're going to start boosting it so more people see it. And honestly, that's kind of where we're at. We're just going to be one of the most technical channels out there. If I embed your video on my blog, does that would it place? Does that capture your numbers? Yes. If you have my video embedded on your blog, especially using YouTube, that actually counts for YouTube views your comments, your likes, everything associated with that. If they follow that into YouTube, that counts. And I can actually see when you've done that, because to me, it appears in my stats as you are the external source sending it to. Sheldon? Yeah. Uh, there is now Instagram TV, so you can do longer form content. It's not one I've really experienced a ton with, and honestly, I don't think it's the best fit for my content because we are trying to get so, hey, we have two different bulk carrier groups for an AR-15. One is lightweight, one is standard. What is the difference on the cycling? And we look at it at 11,000 frames per second. So you can actually see very tiny little mechanical differences. This is very deep in engineering, but it's also very good to understand how your weapon is operating. That's really up to you on how you want to handle it. Because I take the aspect of I'm going to publish this primarily on YouTube. And then I link to the others. Because what's happening is instead of having people consume on multiple different platforms, I get... 50 views here, 100 views here, 1,000 views there. I have it all combined into one giant mass to be more likely to trigger the algorithm. Well, what I, what I would do is I would go to YouTube, take the YouTube and link to that from Facebook. That way, anyone who wants to actually view it then goes and views the YouTube video and you go from there. So I was told that you embed a YouTube video on your website and you watch it on the website does not count as a click or a view on YouTube. I've seen it as external views. We've had a few embedded and tens of thousands of views that way. And it really took off from when they wrote an article about it versus when we had been posting it directly. It was a fail. Yes, Rob? Um, a, someone who's going to help me with marketing suggests that if I podcast and just slap a graphic on and hang it on YouTube, I'm in. 
watch. Well, some people do, some people don't. And then you have the flip side of cell phones. Yes, I have YouTube Red. So if there's a video channel I follow and they have, say, a long form content where I can just go instead of going, hey, I got to watch this video. It gives me more time and more flexibility in my schedule. But it's more of a, do you want to be there? Do you want to build a channel dedicated to that? And if you're doing other form of content, so like we do a podcast, Geeks, Gadgets, and Guns, but we very rarely post those on YouTube because the YouTube people are there for the more technical stuff, not a couple of friends sitting around talking about this technical stuff. <laughs> right. And... Honestly, I focus on YouTube mostly because of technical aspects. So I I push a lot of 4K content and I try and do my video quality that way, and that's where I'm already set up. A lot of people are doing Instagram. If that works for you, awesome. You do have the benefit on Instagram of if they're already following you, they're getting Push mass video on is followers are they're gonna have my help if you're always counting the number of views because it counts everything. Those very low counts are not exactly counted in your feed. Oh, <laughs> so. Google, so YouTube and Facebook have different algorithms, and YouTube reports views differently. Basically, any view, even if it's a second or less, is counted on Facebook. Where YouTube, you have to view for about, I believe, it's 30 seconds before it counts as a view. Macy, hey, I'm getting pickup on Facebook. That can actually just as you understand. So, kind of in answer to the question, uh, with Facebook, not with Facebook, well, they probably do it too, but with YouTube, um, you know, playing games or, or having their own political agenda with, uh, you know, gun rights and gun panels and everything, you're going to want to you could decide, you know, all this content that you put up there that you solely dedicated to YouTube, if it's about guns and such, one day they can just turn the switch and it's not there anymore. And if you haven't backed it up, or if you depend on it too much, if your whole audience is through YouTube, that could go away in a second. So that's one thing that you'd want to think about. Um, but then again, you got to keep in mind, all these companies are pretty much all the same politically. Right. There are very few who have a couple of gun-only video services but you have to realize am i just trying to preach to the choir right because if you're only trying to preach to the choir that's where you're at you're better off going and trying to get where the people are and keep archives every video we've ever done so if they ever pull the plug on me i can post it facebook spam everywhere but right now i want to get all my views centered in one location because i'm still trying to grow as a channel and so that's what I'm doing, and that's how I'm focusing. There are many different methods, and not everybody chooses one. 
And honestly, it's up to you to decide how you want to go and try and expand. If you go with YouTube, you might tailor your content a little bit to kind of, so you don't poke the bear. So you might tailor your YouTube videos a little bit to be toned down. And then if you had a secondary media outlet where you can be more, not explicit, but more direct or whatever, that would be a, a way to go. Well, that's kind of the reason we have a podcast that we host ourselves. So we have that secondary channel that is not just our YouTube. So for somebody who wants not just, hey, this is specified, we're doing engineering, we're looking at this, we're looking at the physics, and move on to something else, that's where we're going at it. But my method is not the one everyone else should use. One issue is the numbers in your audience, which everybody seems to focus on. What about the quality of the viewers? How many influential and thought leaders are you reaching through YouTube? I would honestly, what I would say on how I'm doing it is the level of people that I seem to reach are the more educated and technical interested in this. And based on who we've had to reblog, we have some of the more forward-thinking minds also following us. But we are more... Sorry, what? The understanding of what? And how you can best use them to defend your life. So you're not really reaching outside the choir. A little bit, but you also have to have some channels that provide meat to the choir, and that's kind of what we are. It's more of a, we're not going to focus on blowing stuff up all the time. Yeah, that's cool, that's interesting, but it's more technical, how does that stuff work? And that is what we focus on. Not what you should all focus on, but it's what we focus on because we found a lack of this stuff when we were consuming media ourselves. We were like, okay. So I'm hearing the same story for the four years of the same basic arguments everyone's having using the same industry knowledge that has been passed around from person to person for the last 30 years. Let's challenge it. Let's understand what's going more. Let's delve deeper and feed more to people who are just like, I'm bored of hearing the same thing every week. And that's kind of where we went for our channel. So how do you reach outside the choir? That's coming up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely other people can best speak of that because that's not where my strengths looking at the engineering of it. But like you said, YouTube is one way to reach outside of the choir because you're getting your audience from I mean, some of the stuff, well, it's putting them in some bows and throwing them on 30 out six and seeing how, how fast they are. Now, somebody who's inside the industry goes, oh, cool. Someone who's not inside the industry goes, what are you guys talking about? So we do some content that kind of brand what happens if a 300 blackout's loaded on 556 gun and fired. And then we look at that through high speed, so you can see how the weapon system fails. And even people who are not gun people can learn, oh, that's not safe. And this is where I need to be holding the weapon. So even if it does catastrophically blow, I'm not going to be injured. So I'll let you guys go. Thanks for having me, and I gotta run. You all have a sticker on your desk. This is who he is.
So you reach out and you can ask him because man, can he dive into geekism in so many <laughs> levels? And we need that. So next, our, our next speaker is Shirley Cook. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> but Charlie is Charlie is Gungrams, you know, the dude with the uh, trumpet and the Glock. That would be Charlie Cook. And riding shotgun with Charlie. So Charlie Cook is uh, going to talk. Maybe he'll tell you the, the opportunity where he had to cold call a speech to fill in for Ted Cruz. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. It's great to be here. I know Mark Walters started off with a story about something that he was, uh, in the previous day, so he knew he, how he was going to start off his speech. Well, I want to say the same thing. I had something happen yesterday. I was out making a video with Rob and Amanda, and we stopped at a gas station uh, to get some gas, and we saw a gentleman that was leaning up against a car smoking a cigarette. And there was a cop car that was uh, with a couple police officers that were hanging out and drinking their coffee. And they were just watching this. So we went in, you know, we, we pay attention to our surroundings. So we went in, we, um, we paid for our gas, uh, got a coffee and a snack. And we came out. And as you can all figure out, the man that was smoking and pumping gasoline was on fire. So the police officers took their coffee and they, they threw their coffee on this man and they uh, they put the fire out, and then they arrested him. So I went over, I said, why did you guys arrest him? And they said, he was waving a firearm. Oh, oh come on. Uh, there we go. I do. I did feel bad. All right, so I am here to talk a little bit about YouTube as well. Uh, it's funny to me when people say that I'm a YouTuber or that I have a, uh, a couple of YouTube channels. I do have two YouTube channels. I started one of them on a dare. And I, as a gun instructor, I was going to put some educational videos on there. And I thought that's all I would end up doing. In 2014, one of my friends said it would be funny if I made a video playing the trumpet and shooting a gun at the same time. So I went home and I worked on one-handed reloading. And I played bum ba da da I did that in 2014. I did another one in 2015. I played, I don't know if you guys have kids, but I hate it when kids the cha-cha-cha at the end of happy birthday. So they sing happy birthday to you, cha-cha-cha. So I went out and did happy birthday and shot an AR-15 at the same time. And... Uh, I had I put it on my, my Facebook, I put it on my YouTube channel and my Facebook page. And then I had a lot of people say, hey, that was pretty funny. Can you do one for my birthday? Right? Can you do another one for me? Can you do this song? Can you do patriotic tunes? And it's it it took off from there, which was which was very cool. So it's it's cool to say that I'm a, a YouTuber. When I first started off with the videos, some of people were like, Hey, you can make money. If Justin Bieber became famous on YouTube, you could be like Justin Bieber with you know, with a gun and a trumpet. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that's really what I'm looking for. But I did monetize the videos. I've made a whopping, now, uh, since then, the videos have um, have taken off uh, on my own personal YouTube channel. I have about 3 million views. Um, I, I know I, I don't want to sound like a chump when I say that. Alien Gear Holsters have put one of my gun grams on their Facebook page, and it got 5 million views in a weekend. It got six uh, another million views this past Christmas. Um, YouTube views do not translate, I'm sorry, Facebook views do not translate to YouTube anything. Um, my 
uh, 6.1 million views is, is uh, the, the Let It Snow Gungram has on the Alien Gear uh, Facebook page. And I looked on YouTube and it only has seven views on, on, on YouTube. So I don't make any money on YouTube. I don't make any money on YouTube. <laughs> I had, uh, at one point, I had $6.12 in YouTube money. I could almost, almost. <laughs> it's gone down since then. Um, what I do is when I make a gun gram video is I people for it. So that is, uh, I charge people like a lot. Uh, I charge people money to to make a gun gram video and to do a shout out for them. And that's that's what I do. I think, um, sorry about, about YouTube stuff. I do think everyone should have a YouTube channel. Uh, I have I have two. I have one for the gun grams, and I have one for riding shotgun with Charlie. I try, even though it's both me, I try not to mingle the two. But it's hard to not mingle the two because one led to the other, uh, and the other, and both of them led to to me being here and, and hanging out with all these cool people that are in the room. So here's what I've seen on YouTube. Um, uh, I don't. I, I used to run ads, but I don't anymore because, like I said, you know, six dollars and twelve cents. Like it's not enough to do a check yet, so I, I don't even bother with that. Not uh, when the cutting people, you know, playing Mr. Twenty Two, and they're, they're not having ads and all this sort of stuff. My attitude is just is this: I'm I'm, I'm going to put out content. I charge people for making the video. If they want to take it down, they can take it down. I'll put it somewhere else. It doesn't. I don't want to say it doesn't bother me, um, but they can't. They can't say to me, "Hey, we're not going to." put it up in, in feeds and do all this algorithm stuff that's way over my head. If they do it, great. I'm still going to put videos out. I'm still going to laugh at the end. I'm still going to keep doing it. Like, let them do whatever they're going to do. I'm putting out my content. My, my, my little is to put out content to get more followers, to get bigger guests for riding shotgun, and then turn that into money. And unfortunately, money's at the end of the trail instead of uh, earlier on, but, but that's okay. I'm going to keep doing what I do. So here's some stuff that I've learned about YouTube. You can't, if you have... 100 subscribers to your YouTube channel, you can customize your address. So just before I came to Amcon a couple years ago, I put it on the Facebook and I said, hey, I'm looking for 100 people to follow my YouTube channel subscribers. So I, I went and took the uh, YouTube channel is C slash writing shotgun with Charlie. So you can find that there. The Gungram stuff, I think I, once that had over 100 subscribers, I think I changed it, but I don't remember what I changed it to. Um, so if, if people look up G-U-N-G-R-A-M, all my stuff will come up, which is cool. Making videos is, is really easy. Um, when I was a married man, I used to say that my phone was much more dangerous than any gun that I have. Um, and I say that humorously, uh, it hasn't gotten me in trouble and that's not why my marriage fell apart, but that's, be that as it may. <laughs> um, I make videos in my video that I have. I call it the Monday morning motivation video. I, um, I edit it in my car as well, um, but it's it's quick. I just put it up on on I put that up on uh, the Facebook page. The the, the gun grams that I that I do I film them right on my phone. Um, you can use the editing software that's on on your phones. It's super easy to make videos. It's super easy to be able to put them onto your YouTube page. It's super easy to. Uh, to take the YouTube link and put it on Facebook. And even though they don't translate, that's how people are going to see you and, and get to know your name. And, and uh, uh, the, 
Uh, there are three ways that you can have videos on YouTube. Once you start putting them up, you can have them listed as private, as unlisted, or as uh, public. If you put it out as public, you need to have some good hashtag, uh, some keywords so that people will find it. So I use the same things all the time. I put writing shotgun with Charlie, Charlie Cook, writing shotgun, uh, gungram, Charlie's gungram. Gungram is two words, gungram is one word. So I, I try to do that as much as possible. When I interview people in other cities, I put their city, I put their name, I put whatever their radio program show or how people would know them. I try to include all of that in the, uh, in the tag words and in the keywords. When uh, a video is listed as unlisted, then you can send someone a link and they can watch the video with the link, which I've done this for some people. I'll make the video, I'll do a writing shotgun interview and I'll put it on YouTube and I'll leave that unlisted and I'll send it to the person that I interviewed so they can check it out. Uh, I had an incident uh, last month where I sent someone an interview and someone got the uh, someone someone ended up with the, the link and he put it on his Facebook page and I asked him to take it down and he didn't. So I'm like, you know what? This is my baby. You're not messing with my baby. So I went and listed it as public. So I'm like, I asked you to take it down twice. You didn't. So what I'm going to do is put it as private. I put it as private. So no one's going to see it. So you're going to look like a chump that my video's up and it goes to nowhere and I'm going to look like a chump too. But don't play with my stuff. This is this is mine. I'm not going to put this out for four more days. You put it out. I asked you to take it down twice. You didn't. Okay. That's, this is how we play ball. Anyway, I my deal is this. Um, I want to try to bring fun ownership to gun ownership. That's what I do with the, the gun grams. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, writing shotgun stuff is a lot of fun. I try to push. As much as I can. Stop. It's uh, all saying that, but it was all luck. But it's, it's not just being lucky. It's being prepared and putting out some good content and um, the, the laughing that I do at the end of all my videos, I didn't know it was a thing until someone said, hey, uh, you put out a video and you didn't laugh. I'm like, what are you talking about? So um, there's always nice uh, anchors to have on, on social media. And I, I think everyone ought to have a YouTube channel. If you're out there doing stuff, if you're an instructor, if you've got a podcast, some people do like how the sausage is made, so they like seeing the, um, the videos sitting, in, sitting at their laptop or sitting at their desk talking to each other. So so people dig all that stuff. So just put it out there. You got nothing to lose. Um, I, what I also do is I take the audio from the writing shotguns and I put it on as a podcast. So I'm trying to trying to get all the bases covered. So that's all I got. Thank you guys very much. I got a couple answers. Go ahead. I got time. I left time just for you, Shelly. That's how I roll, girl. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just don't use. Yes, I put some of those in there too. So. You got it. I don't. I think the hashtags are mostly for looking for stuff on, um, on I'm old, so the Instagram and the Twitter. So that's how you find things that way. Keywords are the same things, but you just same. It's, you don't have.
same stuff. And then uh, I like if I interviewed Ken Blanchard in DC, I put Ken Blanchard, I put the black man with a gun, I put author, I put podcaster, I put Washington, DC. I, I put all that stuff in there too. Yes, sir. On that, if I could suggest just on your description, like do a couple sentences or a paragraph or a whole book about what the video was about and then put any keywords that you want to put in the description below that. And I do help on it seemed like at least early on that ended up getting it pinched by YouTube or, or found by YouTube um, doing the tags underneath there. The no, so, so description, if you want to put keywords, I think the YouTube search engine does work off of the description. I don't know that, but I know tags do play a part. There's, yeah, I, I use uh, tags and keywords. I think they're the same. So there's a place to put those in the, uh, below the description. In the description, I'll also put um, links for people's websites and all this other stuff too. So people can, right. So if, if I put an interview up with Rob and Amanda, I'll put Rob and Amanda, I am the target radio, and, and I'll put their website and, and all that stuff too. Awesome, cool. Anything else? Yes. Yeah, I'm putting your Do you have a spot on your phone though to, to add your hashtag and your keywords on, and all that? Uh, I feel like it works. I have noticed, or even just looking at the spot, that it just works differently when you're uploading it on your phone. Uh, yeah, the, the phone does work a little okay. bit differently. Um, so sometimes you have to, sometimes you put the video up and then you have to, like, work it on your phone. Yeah. Sometimes you put the video up and then you have to go back to edit and then you have a chance to add the, uh, the keywords that way. <gasps> You can do it off the web page okay. browser, but YouTube Studio okay. YouTube Capture on on iPhone, iTunes. I don't know if they still have it. It was pretty awesome because you could actually put in clips and everything. I'll gladly show you how to do it. Um, if you if you want. I mean it's 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 so easy. Yeah. I hate to say I do it when I drive, but uh, <clears throat> maybe at stop lines. All right, listen, thank you guys very much. I'm happy to talk to anyone. Please come on. Thank you. <laughs>
Any questions? Yeah, how do we find some degree? Um, let's see a show of hands. Who in here has a journalism degree? That doesn't make the rest of you something less, but it does mean that you've got to pay attention to a, a few rules if you're going to be out there doing stuff that is supposed to be newsworthy, supposed to inform people. That's really what journalism is all about, the who, what, when, where, and why. It's not journalism to write one paragraph of your own stuff and then pick up somebody else's stuff that you've cut and pasted, put it into a column and shoot that out there. That's not journalism. That's something less. Only if you put your own byline on it. If there's a hot link, you're okay. Um, to an extent. I quote people. I, I uh, always put a link to my of the information. But probably 90% of the stuff that I did at Lewis or conservative fire line or in the gunmag.com that's all original material that's my stuff and I guess integrity people have different opinions of what that is to me it's telling the truth trying to trying to be factual um, not misleading people and not just making stuff up on the fly. And there's way too number three out there making stuff up on the fly that substitutes for new history uh, that really has no basis in fact. That's not integrity at all. That's just being stupid. And if you don't maintain credibility with your readers, and I'm I'm into the print side of things. I, I have actual people who read my stuff. I don't do YouTube. I don't know what an algorithm is and do a, a hashtag from a hash brown. When I started way back in the previous century, the first stories that I did were on an old Remington Rand typewriter. It was a manual typewriter where you just flip the little bar on the side, you come back to the start of the paper and you keep writing. Then we discovered something called web offset printing and, and desktops. The, the first uh, time that I got into using a computer for uh, journalism, for writing what I was writing was when I was at Fishing and Hunting because I was a senior editor over there. And they brought in the early computers which were little tiny screens and a whole big thing that you put a floppy disk in. So I've been around for a while, but I've never forgotten the principles. You, you, you don't try to misinform people. You always try to be straight up with them. If you get something wrong, correct it and admit it. I once got something wrong back in the uh, Fast and Furious days when I was covering Fast and Furious uh, at the old examiner. 
and I say the old examiner, they're still around, but they, they really dropped the bomb on a lot of us about three years ago when one morning uh, we all tried to log in on our stories and we got this message back, well, we're not publishing anymore and you're out of luck. Um, but I got something horribly wrong and I apologized immediately the next day to a United States Senator and his staff. That's the way you gotta do it. Crow doesn't taste very good, but sometimes you have to eat some. That's integrity. I think that as we expand the, the, the modern journalism, whatever you guys might think that is, as we expand our readership or as we reach out to more viewers or, or whatever it is we're trying to do to keep the money coming through the door. We have to stick with the, the, the principle that people rely on what we're telling them. So let's don't tell them anything that isn't factually correct. Uh, what I consider to be a, a really disturbing trend with a lot of these blogs out there. They keep repeating what each other said. That's not informing anybody. This is having a beer conversation with a bunch of guys that don't have anything better to do. And I think we need to be above all that. Uh, Liberty Park Press, uh, which was started by Alan Gottlieb uh, about two years ago, um, we we are you know, advocacy journalists, really. We tell the other side of the story, at least uh, in, in my case I do, because I deal from the, the perspective of a firearms owner. And there's a lot that is not reported by the mainstream press that needs to be reported to, to, to give people an opportunity to, to get an, an educated opinion. Give them all sides, not just one side. Um, yes, sir. You talked about advocacy journalism before. Yeah. Are you assuming, when you say the whole truth and nothing but, are you assuming that they will hear the other side from the mainstream, or do you feel that you need to cover that side as well? Well, when, when I engage in something, I always put a link into whatever I'm talking about. That way they can go read it. They can read both sides pretty easy. Uh, it's a lot of times it works out that way because most of the stuff that I write about is the silly stuff and I give them an answer. Um, one thing I've, I've learned to do in my position, which is I suppose unique, uh, I'm not only a journalist, but I I'm also the spokesman frequently for the Second Amendment Foundation and the Citizens Committee up in Washington State. Um, the, the, the mainstream news folks out there for the affiliates, uh, King, Cairo, uh, and uh, Q13, which is the Fox affiliate out there, I've always let them know that if they ever have a question about gun stuff, call me up before they do something stupid. And they do that regularly. 
<laughs> I've never tried to lie to any of those people. They all know what I do for a living. They all know that I got a journalism background. And that's that's a way to establish a rapport with people that does, in the long run, enhance my credibility with my readers. And I, I don't have a clue how many readers I've got out there. It, it doesn't concern me. My, my concern is being accurate, being as factual as I can. And I guess that's part of integrity, too. I don't make any extra money for writing the stuff at Liberty Park Press and, and damn little for writing the stuff at Conservative Firing Line. But I do it on a daily basis. It's out there, and, and I have a those people of integrity. I, I don't know. Um, I think that I'm not going to do a column about how I was under fire when I went. <laughs> Nor was I when it was Chicago or wherever the hell I was. Um, I don't do that sort of thing. I write from experience. And yeah, Alan, what? Does it frustrate you that you have managed to reach a point where the mainstream or the legacy media reaches out to you on these subjects, and then apparently from their reporting, completely ignore it, get it completely wrong, distort it. In other words, where's the effect? They, they don't, you know, it's a bunch of lies. Well, I'm not frustrated by it because they knew who I am. So when I tell them something, they get a they? Yeah, they do. Because they know I can come back and get them or I'll never talk to them again. Uh, first time in my life, the years ago, I had a news conference. So I think you've been up there a couple of times. And, uh, we've got a fairly large size room on one side of the building where all these guys brought their cameras in because it was some issue. And I can't remember what it was. Um, had to do some gun legislation. And so I, I knew just about everybody in the room except for one guy from the AP or wherever the hell he was from, and he became a nuisance. Um, the rest of the guys, uh, before we started, I joked him like, you know, I'd rather be over there and have you one of you guys. Uh, that was, that was <laughs> but the reporter, uh, I think she was with a, a public region up there about suicide. It's kind of a split question. I, I'm pretty sure she was after some kind of reaction. And I recalled to her and all the other guys in the room, but especially to her, that early in my career, I had to haul two dead bodies with the police off the bottom of Snoqualmie Falls because I had a pickup truck and it was the only vehicle that could get to where the dead guy was. And I looked at her just cold. I said, lady, I've seen suicide up close and personal. Only one time that I covered a suicide was a 
fire. The rest of the time, it was razor blades or jumping off cliffs. Uh, I helped recover a, a woman one time who had overdosed on pills and died with a burning cigarette in her hand. And she'd been in the sun for about three days and she didn't pass the smell test. And everybody in the room, except that young reporter, got it because they've all been there and they've done that. And they knew that, geez, you know, wherever else Workman does, he made his bones. He, he, he's earned a position here. And that kind of thing builds respect between me and the people I have to deal with. Um, Integrity really doesn't have a lot to do with that, but experience certainly does. If you know your subject, which I presume everybody in here really tries to know their subject, challenge. And that's a good thing, because when you write about something, people will understand that they're getting something that is factually correct, and they won't try to challenge it. If they, if they ignore it, well, you know, that sometimes is the way things happen. They ignore it because they can't challenge it. And, you know, I read your stuff, Alan. I know you read my stuff. Uh, probably the last time that I wrote something that couldn't be factually challenged as far as firearms are concerned. It just doesn't happen. Your stuff is reliable. But the media keeps talking about background checks as if they're valuable. And, and that's what I write about, about how background checks failed to stop. This guy failed to stop. That guy didn't stop. This guy, they all passed background checks or they went around background checks. And believe me, uh, the reporters up in my area, when they read that stuff, and when I tell them that on camera, they know that it's true. But then they report that we need more of them, and all it's going no, to that's, is they, they don't report that. They report some guy from the other side of the argument saying that. All they're doing is their job, and their job is to present both sides. And and really, uh, the reporters that I've dealt with, uh, they're a fairly reliable bunch. They they try to do both sides, and I think maybe a big part of that is because they know who they're dealing with on this side. More of you. Morning. Dave, um, there is a style of journalism that says there, there's two sides of the debate. I take shocking quotes from each, I present them, and that's the news. I'm not a journalist, but I was reading some tasteful books, and one quote in there was if one side says it's raining and the other side says it's sunny, a journalist should open the window and establish the truth. There you go. Well, we, we see, and this is what I heard, just heard Alan say is, it's cheap to go collect shocking quotes. That's not integrity, but that's what we see a lot of in journalism. Well, that's, that's where we've gone today with journalism, I'm afraid. Uh, and, and it's a sad thing for me because not enough people are opening the windows. But just remember this, too. Good Morning America is not journalism, it's entertainment. CBS Sunday Morning is not journalism, it's entertainment. Uh, Hannity is not journalism, it's entertainment. You gotta, most rational, normal human beings can separate 
hard news from entertainment. Did you have a question over here? Evidently not. Okay. Maybe she was just going to throw a tomato at me or something. Um, I guess I could leave by saying that um, pay real to what you write. Don't let your opinion flow into it so much that that you taint whatever you're trying to tell your audience. The audience will get it. Uh, if, you, if you play by whatever rules still exist out there, if you're trying to be correct with your readers or your viewers, they'll get it. I have a lot of readers on the other side of the issue. They read what you keep tabs on. And maybe I mentioned most of it, they, they don't like people who have good people in the industry by a journalist. Here's how to couch the argument because they'll all understand. We're not talking. Constitute right door, right? I was telling this to a, a, a reporter the other day. If somebody came through the door right now and said, Workman, I know you got the goods on the governor, but I'm from the government and I need to read your story before you print it. I'm going to break one or both of his arms, throwing him through the door, not until it's open. Uh, where I'm at in my building up there in, in Bellevue, where, where Alan's been, I'm on the second floor, and I what I told her is I'd throw the guy right off the balcony because we're talking about a right, not about my story or your story or how you got. You've got to be zealous about protecting all of those rights because they're all equal. And maybe that's where integrity comes in. Yeah. Trusted journalists. Um, well, I, I risk my case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I know about the tail. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, there's an easy solution to your problem. All you got to do is just make one phone call to whoever the sheriff of that county is and ask him, hey, I want to put you on the air in 20 minutes and you can explain to my listeners what the hell's going on out there. And one of two things will happen. The sheriff will go on the air or you'll go on the air and say the sheriff declined to speak to us about this. Then you've done your job. And I will wrap this up by saying that I'm the guy that did create an incident with the BBC. I, this did happen. The BBC called me uh, after Tony Martin. Remember the story about the, the farmer who shot the, the burglar in his house? And he went to the pen for that. So after he got out, they did a story on this guy. They interviewed him. And then they called me. And I listened to the, the interview off the air. And... So uh, here was Trevor or, or uh, whatever his name was, some British-sounding name. And this is on live radio. Just remember that I don't think they have a tape delay over there. You're always live. And so the guy said, what would you do in a situation like that? And I said, well, in a situation, you know, if somebody broke into my house, uh, they'd risk getting shot. The guy says to me, Dave Rickman, you'd murder me if I broke into your home. And I said, well, where I come from, that's a public service. <laughs> the end of the year about it for so anyway listen it's been a pleasure you guys are a lousy audience and i'm gonna go somewhere take care and drive careful that was that was fabulous well next we have drew berquist Digital journalism is the topic, and he is the editor-in-chief of Oplens.com and the host of CRTV's Experience Matters, and um, we just give him a whole lot of points for the fact that he uh, props Cheryl up here and there. And <laughs> oh, that's it. He feels, he feels sorry for you because you never get any airtime, never radio time. Nobody even knows your name. That's it. And so Drew just makes her look, makes her look good. Drew, thanks. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. Um, it is it is fun having Cheryl each and every week on the show. It's tough to call. I never met Dave. Uh, it's tough to follow that. Uh, a couple observations you can have real quick before we get going as I knock the mic over. Um, doesn't want to stay. Um, love, uh, love the jacket over there. Go blue. Totally love this hat over here, amosexual. That's 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 something special. We're gonna have to talk about that. Um, but no, so again, thanks for having me. So the for me, the, the conversation the topic today was digital journalism. I'm not a journalist. Uh, I'm a former counterterrorism officer. Um, never studied it. In college didn't really even study that much. But now I'm the editor of chiefrobslands.com, so you can kind of make make that connection there or not. But I wanted to kind of explain, we've been really fortunate at OpsLens.com and then also with the subsequent you know, video stuff that we're doing production-wise in terms of growing our audience and getting things out there. We're, we're now, uh, we're two years old actually this month. Um, and for our production, we're, um, turn that up there. 
for our production, um, you know, we're distributed. It's going back down. We're distributed on CRTV.com, which is, if you're not familiar with that, that's with uh, the great one, Mark Levin, Michelle Melkin, Stephen Crowder, uh, Phil Robertson, if there's any Duck Dynasty fans uh, in the house here. Um, so we're really fortunate in getting to do that. It really changed how, uh, how our audience grew. Uh, obviously, that's not something that just happens overnight. So I wanted to kind of go back and just explain, and hopefully it's helpful, maybe it's not, how Opslins got started and kind of how we got to this point and how we kind of attack social media, how we attack our websites, our, our video productions, et cetera. Um, and it, I'm very, if you've seen the show, um, I really don't know what I'm talking about half the time. So we're really casual. You can always interrupt, um, you know, Disco who's in the back film and he, he, he frequently does. Um, so, so feel free to jump in at any time, raise your hands, throw something, um, and I'll try and address it to the best of my ability. Um, so as I said, before I got into this, I was counter here as monster. I spent greater part of it over a decade deploying for CIA specifically doing um, CT missions against all the, the targets you've heard about in the news, although you don't really hear about them anymore. Um, but I took a break. At one point, I took a one-year break from deployment. So I was usually gone six to nine months a year. I've got four kids. Um, so you can determine what's crazy. You're having four kids or chasing down terrorists. Uh, it's still a debate for me. But I was gone six to nine months a year. I was like, I've got to spend some time at home. And, and in that year, I did a lot of national security commentary. And it became real apparent to me as I was doing it that there just wasn't enough experts out there. Um, you know, we, I, I vividly remember, uh, actually, I think he's from here. I won't name him. Um, but very, very successful fiction author. Who was who was doing the rounds, making counter, uh, making uh, commentary, doing commentary, excuse me, on counterterrorism, and he was brought on as an expert on counterterrorism. The dude is an, a, a brilliant author, but had never served in the military, never served in the intel community, law enforcement community, and they'd always bring him. Now, welcome in our counterterrorism expert. I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, the dude has no idea what he's talking about. And the more you pay attention, you see that you see a lot of folks talking about. Um, whether it's counterterrorism, pick the issue. You've, you've got people that probably shouldn't be uh, giving you your water cooler information on whatever that topic might be. In this case, it was that, and then also, um, you know, at the time, Glenn Beck was was still with Fox. Um, and I don't know if there's Glenn Beck people here or or haters or lovers. Um, I don't think he was quite as, as as out there yet. But he had called at one point saying, "Hey, can you come do this show?" Uh, on, on X topic, I forget the topic, something to do with CT. Couldn't do it because I had just said I'm going back overseas to work and there's conflict of interest there, classified information, yada, yada, can't talk about it. So I couldn't do it. They were desperate. They called back the next day. Can you do it now? Like, well, no. Like, it's been, like, no, I still work with the government. I can't do it. Five times and do clear like desperate for who come through who are pushing a book or they're pushing a, Whatever the case might be, they're on a publicity blitz, and and then they disappear and they're gone. So you know, I I, I realized there's a need, there's a niche. I said, like, gosh, we serve, we have all these great men and women who are doing the job on a daily basis. Like like we need to be the ones explaining this and breaking it down for the media, so they've got kind of a belly button or a hub, if you will, for you know good information about whether it's state actors like Russia, China, whatever it might be, something going on in South Africa, you, you name it. You pick the topic. There needs to be better better people there. So I, we came up with the idea of opslens.com. It take a while, took a while to get it kind of started, but the, the concept was going to be, look, we're not going to have journalists, no offense to the journalists in here, 
but we're not going to have journals. We're going to have folks who've been there, done that. Um, you know, have the T-shirt. So whether it's intel community like me, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's military, the only prerequisite for us has and still is: look, if you served in one way or another, we'd love to to give you your voice be heard. Go comment on it. Uh, we tend to be just transparency. We tend to be more conservative. For those of you who have visited the site or seen the show, um, I certainly am. But we also allow the voice. I mean, if, if you're on the other side of the fence, right? As long as you've served, you know, we want to have a discussion. We don't have shouting matches, but we want to have a discussion. So we came up with the idea of ops lens, meaning through the lens of operational experience, and started first, you know, with the website. It was like, okay, how do we do this? I knew I wanted to get more into production, more into <clears throat> TV, radio, the stuff that we're doing now. Uh, but I knew that we needed to have a brand. I knew that, okay, here's here's the whatever you want to call it, the three-year goal, the five-year goal, but but how do we get there? We've got to have this platform first, something just to build the, the foundation upon. Um, I was told it was going to be tough. It was going to be difficult. I was going to uh, told it was going to be really difficult being more conservative. Um, I took both challenges on. The first one, I love, you know, if you challenge me, I love it. Like, game on. Guy at Best Buy the other day said, we were buying a wine cooler. You're never going to be able to fill this wine cooler up. I was like, <laughs> Oh, please, yeah. Let's get two of those, actually. Um, challenge accepted. The second one I'll get to in a second, you know, it's tough being conservative. It's very true. It's proven, um, and I'm sure everyone here has experienced it. If you tend to be there, obviously, just talking Second Amendment in general, you're, you're going to face some sort of resistance there. Uh, but again, we knew, let's, let's, let's take it back. Let's dial it down. Let's focus first on getting great people. Like any industry or business, we focused on getting great people, people who could talk about the issues and again, been there, done that, had a t-shirt to prove it. Um, we're very fortunate now we've got, I think it's, these are outdated numbers, but our, our staff's got over 400 years of operational experience, over 200 deployments to, to combat zones. So, and that's, you know, it doesn't include the law enforcement officers across the U.S. So, so they, they know what they're talking about. They've, they've been there, done that. It's not just me. It's not just Mike. It's not just the other folks who show up on the shows or in the articles. Um, but so in addition to getting the people, we knew that, hey, we've got to build a social presence. So for us, it was, okay, I'm sure everyone's been in the same shoes, or, or maybe some still are in the same shoes. Who is going to listen to us? You know, the, you're dealing with so many factors. You've got the algorithms, you've got this, that, and you've really just got the fact that it's like, cool, you're, you want to talk about national security issues, everyone else is doing it too. So we focused there, and we, we were fortunate too, and I've told Cheryl this, you know, one thing that sets us apart um, from some is we, we were very bold, um, talked to some successful people in the DC area, the, the, the defense space, and were able to get, because of the uniqueness of, of the plan of, Hey, we're not going to have journalists. It's just going to be operators talking about what's going on. We were able to get some funding and we continue to get some funding in, which has been really helpful. And I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit more. Um, but having that, that story and being passionate about it. And sitting down and having the, the patience and the, the, the wherewithal to take the no, uh, lots of no's, um, was important. But moving forward, so social media, we knew it was key, still is key. It's, I hate it. It's such a tough game now. It keeps changing. Since we started, it has changed so much. Uh, we've you know, taken up other people. There's a lot of huge companies, as you guys know. They have gone out of business. They put all their eggs are gone. Things, lots of other companies like that. Um, but so we would post our stories. We'd say, okay, well, let's post our stories with small audience. No one's going to read it. But let's also get people to kind of want to come in here. So we would do 
we would share stories. We'd share other people's stories that we thought would have, you know, topical value and would hit the, the keywords, the algorithm that, that people on Facebook want to see, hey, this is going to sample well. So let's share this story too. It might be from a partner site. You know, we're working with they, all the lists have changed, but we're working with these five companies really closely. Let's do a bunch of shares together. Hey, if you're cool with it, we're going to share your stuff frequently and vice versa. Uh, obviously, it was a one-sided deal before because we were small. Um, so, you know, they didn't care so much about us, but they were willing to let us do it and share their stuff. Um, so we would do that because people would still comment. You'd, you'd start to get more reach. You'd start to get more volume coming through. Um, we also created memes and, and, uh, and videos, which I, I hate. Um, your reach favored so heavily on Facebook. Um, I'm, I'm not an Instagram guy, one of our clients, but on, on Facebook, Twitter, and, and particularly Facebook, video is king. So we put a lot of effort into that. We, we would share other people's videos for the reach. Started, as we started to create our own videos, we dumped those out there. And that's where we've had a lot of success, putting out memes, putting out stuff like that, just because of, not because they're your most substantive piece. You know, a meme about John Kerry obviously doesn't bring a whole lot of value uh, to a conversation. It's just entertaining. But it brings in more people, more reach to your particular page. So then they might read this really thought-provoking piece on how we stop Iran or what we do with fill in the blank. Um, so we did that. We did, and, we, and then we did. I mean, the, the reality is, is we spent some money on Facebook too. Um, we don't need more. Um, but you know, they they don't necessarily love the message we put out, but they love our money. So we were willing to to do some incremental spending with them to get things going there. And that really kind of helped launch us into a point where it was gaining some traction. It wasn't just friends, family, you know, and, and colleagues who were looking at the page, but you were getting comments, you were getting engagement. Um, and that was all good. It was great. And it's continued to scale since we're now um, close. To, well, I was just going to say we're now close to, I think we're just shy of 900,000 followers on Facebook. Um, and then we've got multiple other pages that are small page, which is brand new, uh, organically. So, so it's, it, you know, the plan is, is worked for us. It doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone, but we've, we've been fortunate there. Yeah. Well, so yes, typically, unfortunately, um, you've got to play the game a little bit. If you want, if you want to have more reach on Facebook, you've got to play their game. Um, we're trying to actively figure out how we can get off of those platforms and not be self-reliant. Self um, with a lot of our video production stuff going into full gear, that's part of that is changing. Um, but I would say both. Funny and bombastic tends to work more, uh, but it depends on your, your platform. Like we, we're a bunch of sarcastic former operators who just drink and smoke cigars, so we feel like we can get away with it. If you're like a very serious, uh, you know, what you're willing to put out maybe it's going to be different but we'll do that we'll do the, you know, the, the ones for us you know obviously stuff about freedom isn't free and sacrifice and showing pictures of Arlington Cemetery and and families visiting there and just putting some perspective back into the world as well uh, which obviously take very different are very successful because at the end of the day even as divided as we are everyone deep down has that you know passionate love for America built in that if they don't um, they should, but most of them do. Like most people have have that in there. So if you can pull on that cord, that that usually works pretty well. We found. So 
Um, but with, with sharing the articles too, I think this is, and this is kind of an obvious point, but just to throw it out there, um, you know, because everyone tries to get started on a shoestring and tries to get started as, as fiscally responsible and smart as they can. When you're sharing these articles, obviously you're bringing them back to your landing page. So your goal is, is ultimately to, to not rely on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Your goal is to bring them back to your website. So taking the time and effort to make that actually look sleek, be functional and work is so critical. I see so many partner sites that we've talked with you now, like come up through us saying, hey, can we work with this? And we and we always like, we've got to change this to go and monetize this further and work with big ad partners and not just be relying on Google ads, the real bad ad. I have the appearance, the figures, and we've got to have the, the volume. So all that needs to be there. So we, you know, we didn't go crazy with it either, but we spent time and we're very deliberate of trying to make the site look and have the feel and have that as if bigger, you know, appearance early on. Um, so I think that that's just an important reminder uh, as, as for, for people who are earlier on in this skip on that and think, oh, I'm going to save and, you know, I'm just going to use this real basic wireframe or stock one and then we'll get to it later because, you know, if you're, if you're getting your voice out there and you're getting some clips that go viral and people look at that, um, it, it will hurt. It does. The, the, the marketing folks are brutal. Um, if you're conservative and then, and then it looks like crap, you're, you're screwed. So, um, so that's, that's, that's the site stuff. That's the social TV. So we knew we wanted to get there and we knew we wanted to have several shows, which we have now. We're about to launch a few more next month and we're in the middle of working on a, a documentary. Just got off a call before this. We're doing another one um, that we're really excited about. We've also got uh, two, the rights to two feature films that we're working on. So we're, we're, we're a little frantic and busy, um, but we've been really fortunate. We, we, you know, we started nowhere. We started in my basement um, recording with a green screen. Um, then we moved on to a smaller, cheaper set. And, and now we've got a, a full studio in the Jacksonville area, actually St. Augustine. And then we've got access to full scale studios in Orlando, uh, which really helps a lot because they're absolutely amazing. Um, but we started with cheap cameras. We started with all of that and just continued to, to, to work the journey and, and know that, hey, this is going to be tough. It's, you know, you're getting out there the first time. It's, you you got to be bold. You got to be willing and say, hey, some of your friends and, and family members are even going to judge you. They're going to hate your politics. They're going to hate your view on the Second Amendment, um, whatever the case might be. But we, we, we stuck to it and have really progressed there. Um, you know, we did an easy, cheap podcast service, which I'm sure a lot of people have done as well, and have scaled that. So it's... For us, sticking sticking on point with the message, our particular message, which which again is different, not just the fact that it's experience driven commentary and all of our folks have done it, but also being real, like we're, you know, again, if you've seen our show, like at least my show, like we're sarcastic, um, we have fun with it, uh, it doesn't always make sense, it's not everyone's cup of tea. And we've just realized, like, you know, we get hate mail all the time too. I hate this segment. Okay, great, that's cool, it's just not for you. Um, but we've stuck to it and, and we've, we've scaled as we've went, we've been patient, but we've also been aggressive and been willing to color outside the lines a little bit and know that, Hey, on social, we've got to do this to improve our reach. Even, even if it's different than what we intended early on. And it's not a complete sellout. Um, you could say they're, they're, it's just a bunch of, you know, what, um, it's not that we, we will not cross certain lines, but you've got to play the game. And the game right now is, is very much 
rigged against us in, in, a, in a number of ways. Um, so I think learning those things, sharing those ideas with each other, and then again, sharing one of the big things that helps not just early on with Facebook, but with videos and all of this is, is, is sharing, sharing, finding people that are like-minded to share. Hey, share this video, share this article, find groups on Facebook with this kind of another cheat uh, that one of our advisors there taught us is, hey, join all these groups that are Second Amendment groups, join all these groups that are national security or counterterrorism groups, get, get included, find out what their rules are, and then share into them, which is going to increase your reach, your volume, and hopefully not just on Facebook, but it'll transition back to, to page views on your site and then hopefully monetization for that. Um, so those have been some of the things that we've done that have been successful. Um, again, we're still growing. Um, it, there's a lot, there's a lot we're doing. We're kind of like splintered in different directions with all the production stuff going on now, but, but particular to the journalism side, um, the media side, the, the social side, that's where we've had success is, is just sticking to it, um, kind of following those main principles. Um, for Before I, I'm going to say if there's any other questions, I'll open it up in a second here. But before I do that, I want to also solicit you guys. We're also always looking. Um, this is not, not on, on the speech here, but we're always looking for people who want to write, who have experience um, to be on our outlet. We do pay folks. And then also, we're always looking for new show ideas, uh, like actively. Like literally, we spent this morning, we wanted to be in here for, for some of the other talks, but we were on calls about some new shows that were being pitched to us with all the facilities that we have, the connections that we have, the, the, the broadcast and production capabilities that we have now. Um, we want to share that with, with great ideas and great people. Um, so I would just offer that up before we do any Q&A here. But um, again, thanks for having me. Um, we're having so much fun. Um, watch Cheryl on Thursdays on CRTV. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll leave it to any questions if you have some. Well, so we have a social media coordinator. We work through um, Buffer, who's one of the you know the other names that are out there now. For us, what we try to do is get out. So we typically put three to five Oxland original articles out a day. We'll we'll share some other folks sites and then we'll break up Experience Matters, for example, which films every day for an hour. And then we'll break up some clips from that. We can't give it all away because it's behind a paywall. But yeah, but we can give away sessions. Kind of so I would say we used to do more, but we, but, but on average, we do a minimum of 10 to 12 posts a day, and we try to put as much up as we can. Um, you know, obviously not. If it's, we, we used to put up, for example, um, history. this is what happened 10 years ago, 100 years ago, 300 years ago. It's really, really interesting. It gets crushed and does nothing on Facebook. So we've learned what works and what doesn't on there just in terms of how it samples and how it grows. But we try to put as much up there as we can because you just never know. We've had some videos that, like, this isn't going to do well, and it has you know a couple million views. So it's, you just never know. So we, we try to put as much up, uh, and we try and schedule on the hour. So typically, if we can fill a slot per hour, that's great. When you say it's crushed. You mean Facebook doesn't contribute to all your followers, or your followers? <clears throat> yeah, I, yes, yes, and I think it's just. 
some of it's just dry. I mean, yeah. like for military history, right? Like you're either really into it or not. But right. And, and you guys might have heard of different things. So we we were we worked with a guy who was high up there for a while, um, and then still advises there. And he advised us and was explaining kind of how it works. And basically, my understanding from him is is each time you post something, they sample it out. Now they hate us. We get blocked and banned all the time. So it's different for but. But for the general person, it gets sampled out to a small audience. And if it does well there, they kind of open the floodgates and then it either scales or it doesn't. If 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 it doesn't do well with that initial little sample audience, then it just goes into the abyss. And we, you know, we I mean, honestly, I don't know if you guys experience this too, but even even including the ones that do really well, on average, we we reach about one to two percent of our audience. On, on posts. Videos, we do better, but prickles, if we reach one to two percent of our audience, it's amazing. Um, so, yes. Uh, I've already had drinks with this guy. And he's he's going to get a call. He just doesn't know it yet. Yeah. I had drinks with someone else last night who has nothing to do with this conference who we're going to talk to as well. So, um, but no, we, we definitely, we won't, we, that's a, Um, so uh, here, we'll be around for a little bit. So I'm um, I'm flying to Minnesota for a Vikings game <laughs> shortly after this. Uh, I have a real problem. With, it's 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 clinical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yes, we'll be around for a little bit, and then I'll I'll get you a card, and, and we can just talk through ideas. Yes, there's going to be some that, like anything, stick and, and work. There's going to be some that just aren't now, or hey, we need to modify this. But we, you know, content is king, and and we see that all across the board, whether it's radio, podcasts, you know, written or video. Um, and we we just like to be involved with great people who have ideas and um, are, are willing to put it out there and, and give it a try. So. How do you, uh, do you like Skype or other? He flies me to Florida every Thursday. Every Thursday, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's getting so expensive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we actually, we've got to stop that. Um, yeah. No. He goes there for the cooler weather. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's yeah. It, although it was a little humid here last night, too. We were now having a cigar. Um, yeah, exactly. So we do. We, we do Skype. We, um. We saved up and have a a, a, a great switcher um, that we use that comes with like studio grade <laughs> Skype software. Um, so we're fortunate that's a little bit more reliable than the other comes off a little bit more professional. You can do it either way. We we did it before without it, so it's possible. Um, another thing that we did before, if you're if you're looking for for your own show idea, is just going with the software, not the hardware version of like a, a Wirecast. Um, I don't know if TriCaster has it, but um, there's a couple others. I think Ustream has one. So you can spend a, a lot less money, um, and you can have the access to still do that with graphics, lower thirds in there. So we started there, and then it scaled up. Um, the one thing I would caution you with Skype is, is it does. We always prefer in studio. Um, it just there's only certain shows that we fly people in for for those shows because it, obviously it gets expensive. Um, Cheryl, <laughs> yeah, and Cheryl takes all the travel money from everyone else. Um, is is you just you know if you can have a, a if you can tell your guests to have a landline connection I know that David our producer um, he always is so much happier with them when they have that um, 
you know, if it's lit well and, and, and they have a, a good connection. So, but that is how we do it to answer your question. For posting? We've, we've tried to study that, uh, you know, I'm sure it depends a little bit for each place. We've seen some success in the, the morning, lunch, and then evening, like, you know, kind of like where everyone's not paying attention to work. So, yep. All right. Thank you guys. I have to say he got two extra minutes on the mic because I was writing my pitch. Just... <laughs> So, Paul, I need you up on the mic for just a minute, and then we will uh, we'll continue on with our program. We, we, inter we interrupt your regularly scheduled conference here. Yeah, I need to tilt that up. Yeah, there we go. Um, and I got to wait until after Rob's done with this, because I have to show you something. All right, there we go. In your folders, you all should have gotten a piece of paper. It's a feedback form. The reason, I, for those of you who this is your second year can attest, this one's a lot better than last year. The reason it's a lot better than last year is this form. We listened. Please, 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 please fill these out before you go. So, and, and I should have said this at the very beginning this morning because some of you people come and go. But the other thing I would like you to do, you see the back here is blank. There is a possibility, and I mean a possibility, I'm not gonna say this is gonna happen. There's a possibility we could expand this to a two-day thing and be a Thursday and Friday. I'm not saying it's gonna be next year, I'm not saying it's gonna be after that, I'm just saying we're exploring the possibility. If on the back, you would just let us know if we did expand to two days, if you would attend the Thursday and the Friday session, or if you could only do Friday. That's all I need. Okay. Man, talk about pure saturation into the uh, Second Amendment world is uh, two days of GRPC, two days of AMCON. Okay. Uh, our next, our next up. I feel like I, I, this is really good for my posture because it's like, Argo speaks. Well, actually, Paul will remind them because after Argo speaks, then Paul's going to get the mic again. And then we're going to do a group picture. So don't we'll be how that is. So next up is Argo J. Argo, here's what he here's how he describes himself. He describes himself as an American. God, I want to walk up to him and I want you to read his tag. All the rules, and he's got black ops, the documentary, and that's topic pop culture. All right, thank you. Hello, everybody. I am coming to you from the great state of 45 minutes yeah. <laughs> um, Wisconsin and Illinois, especially Milwaukee, Chicago, have a big rivalry. Do not like this place. The fact that I'm here is even major in and of itself. 
Here's a little bit about me. I got my start on YouTube a couple of years ago, about four or five years ago. Um, I reached a pretty substantial following on YouTube, uh, primarily from my first video, my main video, which was entitled uh, How My AR-15 Saved My Life. It really didn't save my life. I didn't have to. I'll give you a little bit of the story. Uh, came home one day, uh, super drunk, because <laughs> I, I tend to do that being from Wisconsin. Um, uh, yeah, sorry. But uh, super drunk, went to sleep, woke up to the sound of people banging at my door. And it was just an unordinary bang, an unordinary sound. It just wasn't right. Turns out, I lived in a duplex. Turns out that my upstairs neighbor had some issues with a young lady he was dealing with, and her guys came for him. Uh, and they absolutely came about 13 deep to try to get my neighbor. I lived in a duplex, so they were kicking on the front door, which was the door to my unit, where my family was, where my children were. Uh, wasn't gonna happen. Okay, so I went outside with my rifle, kind of hit it, because I didn't know what was going on, you know, but uh, when they saw what I had in my hand, they kind of backed off, and that video was kind of what sparked me in the YouTube world. Um, there's a lot more to it. That video also receives a lot of pushback. I get called a liar all the time. I get called, uh, some names that I'm not going to mention now because of my color and that kind of those kind of things kind of prompted me to write this documentary and it's because a lot of times if you look around this room you'll see there are not a lot of faces that look like mine in our community and that's just the truth it's a sad truth but it's a truth when we talk about it socially socially the idea and the concept or, or, or the mindset rather of people in America is when you talk about firearms and African-Americans it's always a negative thought Okay, and, and it is. It's, it's perpetrated in media, it's perpetrated in movies. It's kind of what people go to. Even people of color, even other black people, tend to feel that way about other black people. And it's, it's sad. It's, it's really sad. Because uh, most times when you find out the truth about something, you find out that we're not that different. We're very much the same. And that's the point of the documentary. The point of the documentary is to change the dynamic and shift the paradigm in the way that people see African-Americans, predominantly African-American males, but African-Americans as a whole, and by the way, I hate the term African-American because I do not know Africa in any part, I only know America, so I call myself an American, right, okay, but, you know, uh, I talked to Cheryl about that before, but uh, I absolutely hate that term, but we're no different, and uh, even we were having a conversation today uh, with the Pew Pew Jew, and he was talking about his books and the things he wants to do, and he wants to reach out to a friend of mine to write a book uh, and, and be inclusive of, uh, so why, does, why do you have to change the narrative of your book to be inclusive? Just be inclusive. You know, it's not like black people are this, you know, extrinsic, like, group of people who can't function on the same levels of society that everybody else does, but yet and still, most people don't understand that and they don't get that. So, like I said, I'm a father, I'm a citizen of the United States, um, the need for the documentary was absolutely, absolutely uh, the, the, the most paramount thing that's pushing me right now. If you look at our country the last couple of years, we've had a lot of problems. We've had a lot of problems. I don't care what side of the fence you sit on politically, we've had a lot of problems. Uh, and race, whether or not you believe it's real or not, is a problem. Um, I'm not one that absolutely cries racism for everything. I don't talk about it. I, I have very thick skin. My buddies and I, we, have racial jokes, we do all kinds of stupid stuff that we probably shouldn't do, that I wouldn't do, you know, outside in public. But the truth is, it's real, okay? But some people don't think that it's real. And that's the sad truth, too. 
uh, a lot of my friends that are white say, oh, racism doesn't exist. It doesn't, you know, have, these things don't happen. Or, or it's You're wrong. It happens, okay? Especially if you believe it's real. That's the, the most thing. For the group of people that believe something is real, it is absolutely real, okay? Uh, if I have to alter the way that I go about my day-to-day life simply because I'm a black man and I carry a firearm, that's a problem, okay? That's absolutely a problem. So I reached out to uh, a lot of people in the gun community to be a part of it. Um, everybody know, show of hands if you know who Coleon Noir is. Okay, awesome. Everyone show of hands knows. if you know who Maj Ture is. Captain All right, Captain. what about Kevin Dixie? Okay, Five. I don't mean to raise your own hand. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, so um, I reached out to them that I know in the drug community, uh, other black people, and said, hey, come on, we got to get this documentary on down. We have to impress upon the people that we are no different than anybody else. I'm not a criminal. I couldn't tell you what the inside of a jail cell looks like. Nobody in my family can tell you what the inside of a jail cell looks like because we weren't raised to work hard, you know, come home, raise your family, and be good citizens. And that's it which is no different than anybody else in this room, I suspect. But things look differently, and I'm looked at differently because of the melanin in my skin. I often start the school year, if anybody doesn't know, I'm a teacher by trade, so right. So I start the school year off a little differently. I won't come to school like this, but I have a shirt and tie on. I have my nice and then I put a t-shirt on <laughs> automatically their mom their mother you have to have it Lord forbid it with my hairline and long till down my back even worse like oh my god you have dreads your teacher like yes I am you know and that's what I do and I do it because I love the kids not because I make an exorbitant amount of money because I don't but uh <laughs> but I do it because I love it but the fact that they see me it's kind of what happens in the world. Okay, if I step out of here, if I step out anywhere with a shirt and style, still But if I step my tattoo, but when people differently cautious, why is that? It's a deep uh, documentary that dynamic and to shift that paradigm. We're not all gangsters and gangbangers, and we're not all criminals. That is why Black Ops the documentary is being written uh, and was written. Um, I reached out to several people outside of the gun community. Carl uh, Malone, anybody know Carl Malone? I reached out to Carl Malone. His people have said that he has accepted. I haven't spoken to him myself. Um, I reached out to Tyson Beckford, the supermodel who's a good friend of mine, uh, he's accepted, has not confirmed yet, but these are all people who I'm reaching out to because I want people to see that there are prominent people in the black community that support guns. Because another problem that we have in the black community is, is, is political. There's always this great divide, be conservative or be liberal, and where do I fit, and how do guns play into that, and, and that's the funny thing and the beauty of the Second Amendment. There is no label on being an American citizen, number one, period. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican or whatever, okay? You don't have to be either to identify with the Second Amendment because that is a right that is for everyone. It's for absolutely everyone. And sometimes in our community, 
get a lot of pushback because it, it tends to be a more convenient and a lot of the ideals are conservative based. So a lot of times people don't feel comfortable. Well, the idea, the, another reason is to make people feel more comfortable coming into the community. Say, hey, come on in because we cannot make this country better. We cannot make this community grow. We cannot fight the Second Amendment fight without everybody being on board. And that's kind of where, we, where we've lost the plot and say, you know what, I'm gonna tell everything that I have to say to all the people who look like me and think like me. That doesn't work. If we don't step outside of our box and our comfort zone, we'll never, ever, ever get what we need to get. You have to be able to step outside your comfort zone. You have to be able to say, you know what, it's gonna to be tough, but I'm in it for the long haul. And that's what we're doing here at Black Ops Documentary. Now, <laughs> I'm a teacher and I'm, this is all funded from my teacher's salary. I don't have any funding. I don't have any sponsors or anything major yet. I have a crowdfunding source from through GoFundMe. I have a Patreon. Uh, so I definitely am looking for funding. If you can see this, I will find funding for my film. Uh, but it's gonna happen either way. Okay, it's gonna happen either way. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm really glad and I really thank you, Cheryl, for, for bringing me out here because this is a great event to network and to meet other like-minded people who are willing to do what it takes to reach outside and speak beyond the choir and reach the people that don't think like them. And what I do, I'm not doing the community. I'm doing this video for people outside of the community. I reached out to a couple of producers and production companies when I first wrote it, and they were all on board. And they said, yeah, you know what? That's a great idea. The, uh, the, the racial divide is, 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 is sickening in America right now. I love this idea. But, and that's kind of where you lose me because that but means you're gonna change something that I wrote. And I wrote it purposely, and I wrote it intentionally. And that intention was to get the word out accurately. Everybody loves to say what this community is about. Without being a part of all, we've all heard always, always wrong. So our story from us inside the community, and that's why I'm here today. So when you guys see me, if you want to talk to me about the documentary, if you want to help with the documentary, or if you have any questions for me, we can take that in Q&A in a minute. But uh, definitely reach out to me. I'm very accessible. I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube. My YouTube channel is still up and running, even though they did remove one of my videos, which absolutely did not uh, uh, go against company guidelines. It was a video about... Uh, Psych mouse. <laughs> so they pull that. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. But like you said, it's very vague and YouTube is a is, is a dangerous place now for us because uh, they are coming for us and they do really want us off of there. But never doubt the fact that YouTube still is very powerful. Okay, one play think about firearms, uh, definitely. But like I said, I'll do. I'll open it up to questions and answers. Question and answers about uh, the documentary or anything possible? Yes, sir. Sir, can you tell us what Black Ops stands for? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Black Ops, and I didn't say this. Thank you very much. Black Ops is an acronym. Well, Ops is an acronym. Um, Ops is Opinion in Popular Society. So the, the full name is Black Opinion in Popular Society, or how we're viewed as Black people in society when it comes but we have to fight it one 
lot of the time. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know, it's not going to be an easy fix. It's not going to be an easy change. We definitely have to work together. And we have to work with like-minded people in order to reach out to people who are not of the same mindset. So that's why we're here. So what do you, you think is the best way for us to reach a more broader base who are not such so fringe? I mean, there's different organizations in here that have the same goal, but just doesn't see where I'm on the same page. Uh, having those conversations that are hard to have, having the conversations that make you say, you know what, I, you know, those topics that you talk to your wife at all about, but you'll never leave the dinner table with, having those conversations outwardly, that's a good start. Um, a while back, we had an expose in Atlanta where we posed the question, uh, is the 2A community or the firearms industry racist, or does racism exist in the community? And we had several people uh, that weren't Black involved. Rob Pincus was one of them. I know Pincus came up uh, in this. Uh, he was one of the speakers as well as myself, Maj Ture. And we had a very, very hard conversation, okay, a hard topic conversation, and came away with a lot of ideas and a lot of things that we didn't come into it with and, and knowing. And we would have never gotten there had we not asked those hard questions, the questions that everybody runs from. So sometimes that's, a, that's the best place to start is just to say, hey, what about, or whatever you're thinking, just ask it. I will not. I have to get back home to my son who has a project that I told him we would work on. So I'll be leaving tonight. Yeah. Yes. For rural America, when we hear the term law and order, okay, and you know, a politician says that we're going to bring in law and order, it sounds like a good thing. Mm -hmm. But something tells me in the black community when you hear somebody like I say Trump talking about law and order, you don't hear a good thing. What what does the black when some when some when leaders stand up and start talking about law and order, what does what does the black community hear? See, I can't speak for the black community because I can only speak for my family. You know what I mean? Um, I'm, I don't, <laughs> I'm not a representative of the black community. No, and, 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 and I'm not, and I'm not attacking it. I just want you to understand that. And this is, this is what I'm talking about, asking those hard questions. Because you're going to get a hard answer, but you're going to get an answer. Um, every black experience is different, okay? No black experience is the same. I see three or four black faces in the room. I don't know, you could be like Mexican or whatever, but no, I'm just talking crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me. Uh, but uh, every experience is different. You know what I mean? Every experience is absolutely different. And that, that's the thing. People tend to group us all into this one, this one ball. And that's not us. You know, that's not uh, uh, But to answer your question, a lot of times, you know, relations, when we talk about a Relations between law enforcement as a whole. Very, 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 very
our communities to be safe. They want our children to be able to walk into anybody else wants, but it just is looked at and viewed a little bit differently. Here's my first matter. I see like Black Lives A lot of them stem from economic status, okay? And once we start to identify where the problems stem, then we can kind of see where we need to go. I mean, far as us. However, when you throw in racism on top, it's a little difficult, okay? People have extra. My father always told me, look, I don't care how many degrees you have. If you go to work, you know, and you have your master's degree, which I do, Okay, there's another white guy there with a master's degree. Nine times out of ten, they're going to go with this guy. This was, of course, early 80s when things were a little bit different. But honestly, they're not that different now. So, you know, you have to go into to, to most things with the mindset that you're probably going to have to work twice as hard or prove yourself twice as much in order to get a positive outcome. Right. Where one person might use a radio show, one might use vlogging, one might use video vlogging. Who chose a big project? Yeah. <laughs> what was I thinking? Uh, yeah. Right, right. I didn't know. I absolutely had no idea that I was going to do this film. One day, uh, sitting around and I was thinking like what what all right let's back that up I, like I said I had a YouTube channel and my YouTube channel became stagnant because of myself I didn't want to be that same carbon copy cookie cutter YouTube gun review gear channel that everybody had reviewing the same thing for the 99th time that everybody else is reviewing I didn't want to be that so I stopped my YouTube channel for a while uh and then I was saying well what's my next step what's my next project and then it came to me hey You've been feeling this way. Why don't you just make it a movie? Why don't you just write it and start writing it down? And a month later, the documentary was complete. So and that's just how it happened. Yeah. Uh, there will be interview segments. So there will be, <laughs> it's going to be a, a very contemporary and modern documentary, a little bit different than most because documentaries can be boring. And I don't want, and, and because we're trying to reach outside of the choir, I don't want it to be boring. People say, oh, it's all about guns, 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 I'm bored, and then we lose their interest and lose their focus. So we do have different vehicles in place to make things, to shake it up a little bit and to keep it, but it's gonna be basically interviews and uh, I'll be traveling the country to talk to these different people in their home locations and talk about each of those home locations as well, so. Um, well, I do have a publicist, um, so we're looking at, uh, I know we were talking earlier, I'm taking, I'm open to anything, but my publicist wants to shop this around once it's finished um, to like Vice, HBO, Netflix, Amazon, things like that. She was talking about. So that's what, and there was one question back here that I think my time is almost up. Yep. Right, cool. So I got involved in firearms about like seven years ago, and mm -hmm. the first 
and involved because they're excited about it, want to plans out all the time. So I ended up living in Newark for two years. I'm sorry about that. So long story how that happened. Um, so I noticed there was a big difference. Whenever I asked all my white friends, hey, you want to go to the gun range? A lot of fun. You know, nine out of time, nine point eight times out of ten, people would say, yeah, absolutely. Every time I talk to my black friends or anyone in the to go to the gun range, not paraphrasing most of the time, response was, I'm black, I can't go to the gun right. range. Right, we go to the gun range. Just like we have unicorn horns growing out of our heads, man. It's 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 real, you know. And they expect us to be, you know, uneducated with firearms, unsafe with firearms, irresponsible. And you know, for for the most part, I understand where that comes from. But that's with anybody. I also worked at a range part time. If anybody's ever worked at a range part time, the general public is dangerous. So it, it, as irregardless, as regardless of color or, or or skill level, the general public just shouldn't have firearms. Like, no, no, I'm joking, but, but, but no, seriously though, but seriously, I, I know what you mean though, and that's kind of, that's actually how I got my name, because we would go to the range, and there'd be a couple of black guys, you know, my friends, we'd be at the range, and everybody would look, give us those looks, and then we'd pull out our guns, and then all of a sudden you see the eyeballs start to shift, you know, because we have all the cool guns, or guns that they wanted, or guns that they liked, or seen only in video games, and things like that, they come up to us, and they say, well, where'd you get that gun, and I say, oh, I built it. Look at me like just said something in Greek. <laughs> like, you know, like like how did you learn to build this firearm? How does anybody learn to do anything? Like just because I'm black doesn't mean that I can't do something. So, you know, that's kind of where it stems from. It's kind of a two-part question. So the second part, obviously getting involved in that I forgot where you're from. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay, so in New Jersey we have a, a permitting process. Okay. It takes hours and you know, people that have to explore where we have to go to the bottom line. But I started taking my white friends and my black friends to go apply for a gun permit to go buy a gun. And uh, there was an officer that was a black guy as well. And one day I went in, you know, dressed up from work in a suit. That was great. So I knew respect behind me was a black guy younger. I don't know how to describe how he was dressed, but I don't know if the word urban is politically correct, but, you know, the jeans, the baggy, you know, clothing, the hat back, you know, basically how you were describing and the cop turns around and the minute I walked away, he says, hey, have a great day. You probably will be done right away. Uh, he turns around to a black guy. He's a black cop. And he says, what the F do you want, little feet? And the guy's like, I'm here to apply for your gun from it. And he says, why do you want a gun? Da, 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 da. And I was walking away feeling kind of weird because the guy was really respectful, more than happy to help me through the process. And then he turns around to this guy that looked whatever. And, you know, what if I wore my regular weekend clothing? What are you treating me differently? How do we change that attitude? Because clearly he was discriminating a black guy, you know, because he was black and he looked whatever, right, right. and didn't want to give him a gun permit. And unfortunately, that's something that happens all across, all America, the time, yeah. across America all the time. Um, we can't get into detail a lot of times, we've got people going on. But, uh, you know, we're we'll definitely, we'll definitely having a question about that. I'll talk to you about that. I'll talk to you Outside. If anybody's interested in information on the documentary, see me. I do have uh, digital media for you. Thank you very much. I do have some digital media to pass out to you guys. Thank you very much. Sorry to break that up, but that was that, the answer to that question is so huge that we would not have, we really wouldn't have time. Jeannie, they need, you have a blue gun that I've given you for the fashion show, right? They, they need to borrow it for a minute. You've given it away. Has anybody else got a blue gun in the room? 
Okay, I just, I need, we need a blue gutter too at the back door. Okay, I'm just saying, I just need a, there, there. Oh, is it, it, there's, oh, Shelly, okay, there you go. There's one and all. Okay. Where, where, I love this group. I'm just saying, right here. I was like, okay, come in. Do we have a couple of blue gutters? Next, we have, thank you. Next we have Cheryl. Cheryl. Go with Cheryl. Okay, we're gonna start with Cheryl and then we'll we'll work our way through the uh, we start with Cheryl, we'll get back to Cheryl to me to you. Got it. Putting Cheryl in front of a microphone while there's cameras rolling, this is dangerous, guys. Might need to get that great big sheep's book that they, they use on stage. Well, I am so proud and excited to have a moment to appreciate uh, someone very important and very special to what we do here. There's a lot of us that get to get in front of microphones and get in front of cameras and uh, you know do kind of the out front splashy stuff, but we could not possibly have the, the bandwidth of time and energy to do what we do the way that we do it without those hardworking, dedicated, amazing, behind the scenes people. And I have an award for just exactly one of those people. And if I read the award correctly, it has the name Susan Lathrop on it. Miss <laughs> Susan Lathrop, come on. She hates being in the front of the room. So this is going to be a little tiny bit of torture for her. But this reads uh, Anton Susan Lathrop, 2018 champion. And she's for all you do. It's it's hours upon hours upon hours of editing and re-editing and getting texts from Cheryl and Amanda and Facebook messages from Cheryl and Amanda. And um, she just does it all with a smile and, and with such panache. And we just appreciate you saying it. <laughs> <laughs> We wanted to let you know just how much we really appreciate you and all the stuff that you do. So thank you. So everybody, another round of applause for Susan. And cookies wouldn't happen without Susan. Okay, we've got a couple more awards that we need to do. And Cheryl, why don't you stand up there for a second? We just want to um this one, this one's just a, a little, a little poke fun. As you guys know, look at Miss Pokedot. So Cheryl has been known to say that um, polka dots are her camel. And so, so we have several people in the room that have decided that as an homage to, uh, 
to you, there's some polka dots around the room. So I'd like everybody to give an opportunity to kind of show off the polka dots that they have. So, so we have polka dot puppets. <laughs> so we have, we have polka dot, we have polka dot socks. I neckties. This was coordinated, could you tell? And, and we were afraid that you would not have enough polka dots for the entire weekend. Okay? So, we got you an extra little scarf so that you had a polka dot scarf and that'll be air conditioning. 